And we are on air for Fan for Racing, NASCAR, and Race Talk Review of Martinsville and Kern County Raceway. This is Monday night, October the 28th, and uh, I think we've got a pretty interesting show lined up for everybody tonight. Uh, Sal Segal, our co-host, will join me here shortly, and uh, he and I will talk a little bit about the uh, race that took place this weekend at Kern County Raceway. Uh, the last, next to the last race before they go to their season finale at ISM Raceway on November the 9th uh, to determine their champion. But uh, uh, Derek Krause is certainly in that position right now after getting his fourth consecutive victory at Kern County Raceway this weekend. I'm going to call him the King of Kern uh, because he has uh, really dominated that track. And uh, we'll talk to him about that tonight because he'll be coming on board here at 8.40 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, we will talk to him uh, about that victory and uh, heading into the season finale at ISM Raceway in Phoenix. Uh, Derek uh, just has to start the next race, and I think he will have the championship in hand. And uh, it's been a big year for Derek uh, Krause. He has five victories this season. And uh, uh, it's just been a great year for him and for Bill McAnally Racing. So, again, uh, Sal and I will talk about that race a little bit. I think Sal was at the track. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we will talk to him about his thoughts about being at the track this weekend uh, because I know the SRO was racing there as well. And, in fact, he's joining me right now. Sal Segala, welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Sharon. Thank you. Okay, I was just going over that the first half hour we're going to be talking a little bit about that Canon Pro Series West race that took place at Kern. Uh, Derek Krause comes on board at 8.40 p.m., uh, but during our 9 o'clock half hour, <clears throat> excuse me, we have another uh, group of guests uh, that will be taking uh, part with the show tonight, and they are all from Stuart Haas Racing, uh, the Stuart Haas Gaming Group. Uh, it's part of the E-NASCAR Heat Pro uh, Pro uh, Racing League, and I'm not sure that I said that correctly, but uh, Heat Pro League uh, is what they race, and uh, these guys are really good. It's the inaugural season that NASCAR has done this. A lot of fans will remember that earlier in the spring, uh, there was a draft pick uh, that took place, and a lot of the teams chose the drivers that they wanted to be uh, part of this E-NASCAR Heat Pro League this season. Uh, well, Stuart Haas Racing decided that they were going to go after the championship, So we're gonna, and they won the championship just last week. So we're going to talk to them about that. Uh, joining us will be Jake the Voice Morris, uh, and uh, he's been the voice of Stuart Haas Gaming uh, for this season for both of these drivers, Slick and Hot Rod. Uh, the, their actual names are uh, Slick is Josh Shoemaker and uh, Hot Rod is Brandon Gritton. And uh, we're going to get a chance to talk with all of them uh, during that 9 o'clock half hour. Uh, they have a limited time available, so we'll probably be about 10 minutes with them. But uh, I'm kind of excited about it because I think this is going to be an interesting uh, uh, conversation about the very first season of this series. So. Hmm. <clears throat> 
Okay, I'm not sure what happened to Sal. <laughs> but we'll oh, go here, on I'm sorry. here. Doing... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be exciting over here with the you know, how everything went, you know, what they you know, what the plans are for next season and uh you know, it's gonna be a, a, a good time. Okay. And then after we uh, have that conversation, then Sal and I will get into the review of the races that took place at Martinsville. There was the uh, Gander Outdoor Truck Series. Todd Gilliland was the winner of that race. And then after that, we had the race at uh, uh, Martinsville for the NASCAR Cup Series. That was pretty eventful as well. And we'll do a review of those. And I do have some post-race audio so that we can hear from both of those winners uh, from this weekend and uh, some interesting conversation after the race. So <clears throat> at 10 o'clock, uh, we will get into the NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and joining me at that time will be Jay Huseman, and he and I will go over all of the different topics uh, from the weekend of racing. And um, we've got a lot to talk about, I think. So, Sal, you were at the track at Kern County Raceway. What were your thoughts about the race out there? Uh, you know what? It was it was a good race. I mean, it was clean. You know what? There was no uh, excessive bumping and, you know, none of that going on. Um, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a, actually a very, very good clean race. And, um, you know, of course, you know, we all know that Derek Krause won the race, which is who's going to be our first guest tonight. And, uh uh, he pretty you know much what? dominated. Was, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He dominated the whole race. I mean, he he never gave up the lead the whole night. So basically, the battle was. Uh, yeah, I guess you could take third on back is where second place was a little bit of a battle between uh between Jagger Jones and um and uh, Haley Dean at the end. <clears throat> but um, all in all, you know what? They everybody brought their car home in one piece and. You know, there's no no damage, and you know, which is what they, I know what the team owners want to see. Absolutely, uh, Bill McAnally Racing's had a, a pretty good season this year. Uh, Derek Krauss continues to lead the series point standings, 47 points over Jagger Jones, in second place with Bob Brunkati, uh the Sunrise Ford Group, and then Haley Deegan, also from uh, Bill McAnally Racing, is in third place. Uh, Trevor Huddleston from Sunrise Ford in fourth, and Brittany Zamora from Bill McAnally Racing is in that fifth place. So uh, it's uh, pretty cool uh, to see uh, those two teams go after it again this season because it was pretty much a repeat of what happened last year in the series as well. Uh, but this has been Derek Krause's year in the Canon Pro Series West. Yeah, it has. He's he's uh you know he's he's dominated it. You know what? And um, you know he's had uh you know added some so a lot of wins to his belt. And um you know what? He's just um he's just continuing you know, to to move to uh, move on up the ladder. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so why don't you go over um, uh, the race rundown? While I do some screening here, Sal, because I've got quite a few people on the line here, and I want to figure out which one of these guys is uh, uh, Derek. So, hold. Give me a minute. <clears throat> okay. Well, as 
as Sharon already mentioned, you know what, you know, we are going to have Derek on the show. You know, he was the race winner this weekend. And, uh, it was a, a very, very good, a very well run race. And, um, you know, it was, uh, let me see, I'm trying to pull everything up. I'm in trouble with this new laptop. <clears throat> Here we go with the results. So Derek, Derek came out first, Jagger Jones came out second. And I think Sharon had already ran down the, the finishing order of the, of the 13, actually the 12 cars had finished because, um, after 13 laps, Jack would have went out with an electrical issue, which he also came back and ran the SRO race. So, um, Jack Wood was the only one that was doing a double duty this season. Um, other than that, let me see what else we have here for you. We have, uh, oh, we got, let me see. Let me, let me go to the standings. Here we go. So, uh, Derek Krause still leaves a point. He's 47 points ahead of uh, Jagger Jones going into uh, Phoenix, which will be in a few weeks. Um, Haley Diggison in, in third. Jagger Jones' teammate Trevor Huddleston is in fourth. And rounding out the top five is uh, Brittany Zamora, which is another uh, 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 Bill McAnally racing driver. Uh, should be a good showing our next race at uh, – at Phoenix because in the past it's always drawn drivers from the east um, from the east coast out here and actually we've had a couple of cup drivers but because of the fact that the cup drivers and uh, they have the, the ruling where they're not allowed to race any other any other series during the chase so uh, I'm sure you know you know we're going to see a lot of a lot of good up and coming drivers maybe you know what uh, you know from probably the Arca series, you know, they're going to want to come out here and test this one mile track. So this is the biggest track, you know, in the, um, the, the Canon West and Canon East series. Okay, Sal, I'm back. And we do have Derek Krauss online with us. Uh, first of all, Derek, congratulations on your fourth consecutive victory at Kern County Raceway. You're the yeah, king of Kern. You. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been good to me. It has been good to you. What is it about that track, Derek, that really suits your driving style? I know we've talked a little bit about this in the times that you've been on the show with us before, but uh, you're so dominant there. What is it about that track? Yeah, I don't I don't really know. A lot of people ask me that same question, and uh, it just – that's the first place I tested in K and N car, and just ever ever since then I really like the place. It's fast. It's got a lot of grip, and I don't. I mean, really, I don't really have a. I don't really know what really suits my driving style, other than it's really fast, and the cars that I have there are really good. That BMR prepared, so that's really good, and uh, it's definitely a really fun racetrack. Well, it's, it certainly must be uh, with, the, with the way you run there. I know that uh, you're kind of in good company with four consecutive victories at that track. Uh, there's uh, two other drivers in the 66-year history of the Canon West uh, that have accomplished that feat. Uh, there is Ray Elder, who uh, did it at Gardenia Ascart Park in 1967 and 68. That's a little while back. And uh, also he did it in 1970. And then Herschel McGriff, a lot of people know that name from that series. He won five consecutive races at Portland Speedway in 71, twice in 72, and twice again in 1973. Uh, That's pretty cool company to be a part of, Derek. 
Yeah, that's really cool. Someone someone showed me or told me about that, and that, was just, that just amazed me on how far back the series has actually gone. And it's really it's really fun series, and I enjoy racing in it. Okay, well, this is this is your third season in the Can-Am Pro Series East with Bill McAnally Racing, and uh, you've got some teammates that uh, have done uh, well this season as well. All of you are in the top uh, five uh, in the Can-Am Pro Series. So uh, the last race is coming up at ISM Raceway at Phoenix on November the 9th. Uh, what are your thoughts about going into uh, Phoenix? I'm I'm really excited for that race. It's the like I said, it's the season championship race, so that's always exciting. And then I was there once, one other time with the truck, and we ran really good there. So I'm really excited for it. It'll be my first double duty weekend with running the truck and then the and the K&N car. So that'll be really fun and a learning experience, and I'll be able to learn a lot from running both the series and both vehicles on that racetrack. Without a doubt. Now you're racing uh, with KBM in the trucks. Uh no, BMR. Oh, BMR. Okay, B- Bill McAnally's field in the truck. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, now. Yeah, I'm really looking forward awesome. to that. Awesome. You should be because uh, you're going to be on a national stage with the with uh, <coughs> that being a cutoff race for all three of the national series. And uh, I know you've done well when you've raced in the trucks before. Uh, joining me, Garrick, as you know, is our co-host, uh, Sal Fagala. So I'm going to bring him into the uh, queue and give him the microphone now. So. All right. Hey, Derek. First of all, um, yeah, I'm here. <clears throat> first of all, congratulations on the win Saturday. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is your first poll at Kern 2, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's what I was told. So I mean to go out and set fast time and then uh, you know grab the pole and you know start on the pole and then basically lead every lap. It was a, uh, I would say it was a very good uh, a very good weekend and a very good uh, you know uh, momentum builder. You know going into uh, going into the um, uh, race your next race at Phoenix. Yeah, that was a really big momentum builder. We were. We unloaded on Friday, and we were pretty fast right off the trailer, so that helps a lot. So then we don't have to make big major adjustments at the racetrack. And then we unloaded fast, and we just made little little tweaks in the car, and it helped a lot. And once the sunset, because the track is really sensitive, it seems like this weekend, the track was really sensitive on how much sun was on the racetrack. If the sun was on the racetrack, it was really loose. And if it wasn't, it tightened up a little bit. So we were a little bit free during practice, knowing going into the race that it would be a little bit tighter and that's exactly what happened and we had a really good car. So uh going into Phoenix with this point lead, you know, the you know, chances are, you know, I mean, you know, probably gonna be looking at, you know, maybe possibly thirty, thirty five cars, depending on how many come from the east. Uh you know, it's gonna be a uh kind of a, a welcome a welcome back for you in a sense way because this will be the second time you race that track. Cause didn't you race it earlier this season at the, when you ran the, the trucks over there? Yeah. Last year, the last race of the That's season last or yeah. last race at Phoenix for the trucks. 
So how how tough you think it's going to be to actually do a to do a, a double duty coming into Phoenix, especially with uh you know with this being a mile track, not one of the short not one of the short tracks. Uh yeah, I think it'll be it'll be a little bit challenging just from going back and forth to, to from vehicles, but luckily uh they're on two different days, so that'll help that'll help a lot just with being uh two different days, so I don't have to go back and forth from the truck to the car, so. I'm sure they'll be a little bit different, but I'm I'm sure I'll be able to learn a lot from the truck race on Friday night that I can take into the K and N race on Saturday. So so with the with the two different with the two different V with the two different race cars, one a truck, <clears throat> one being the car, you know, of course you know they both handle differently, they both have different horsepower. How do you approach a race like this? Especially with the championship on the line too. Oh uh, yeah, just Go to the truck race. I mean, you want to learn. I'm gonna to try to learn as much as I possibly can, and then just take that whatever I can take that into the K N race on on Saturday. So I'll learn as much as I can on Friday night and try to make try to make moves up to the field and try to run up front with the truck, and then go on to, go to Saturday and we'll practice all day, and then qualify and then race the K N car, which will be really fun at Phoenix. Hmm. Sounds like a, like you're gonna have your hands full of a real busy weekend, and um, you know I'm sure you know you're gonna do good on both of them. And with that, I'm gonna turn it back over to Sharon. Okay. Okay, Derek. I know uh, this season has been uh, your season in the Canon Pro Series, uh, and <clears throat> I know we've talked about this before. You you live in Wisconsin, even though you're racing in the Canon Pro Series West with Bill McAnally Racing. Uh, how has that been for you as far as traveling and, and getting to the racetracks and stuff? Has that been an advantage for you to be in the Midwest here as opposed to being out in the West Coast or not? Because you've raced can and East races as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of right in the right in the center of the East and West, so that's really – I think that's – I like where I live here now, and I still got a year left of school before, so before I ever think about moving or anything – if I ever do, I got to finish around my school first. I'm a senior in high school, so I got to do that first, and then then we'll go racing. Okay, now talk about being a senior in high school. Do your classmates know that you're about to win a championship in the Canon Pro Series West? Uh, yeah, some of them know. I really, to be honest, I really don't talk about it a whole lot at school, but uh, the ones that follow it or know about it, they definitely they definitely know what's what's happening and uh how close I am to winning the K N championship. Okay. And and uh that's gotta be exciting as well and, and I know your family's gonna be uh watching and, and being there as well. Have you thought about how you want to uh celebrate the championship? Because all you gotta do is start the race and you've got it, right? Yeah, I really, really. It's gonna be. Derek. Derek. Okay, I think we lost him on that. So uh, hopefully Derek will call back in and we'll be able to uh, continue on with our questioning there. 
but it's pretty exciting uh, that he's finally, after uh, the three years that he's been in the Canon Pro Series, he's been able to go after that championship. He had Todd Gilliland as his competitor last season. Oh, here he's back. Let me bring him back into the queue. Yeah, I'm back. Okay, Derek, we're glad to have you back. Okay, go ahead with uh, your answer there. I was asking about uh, how you're you're going to celebrate. Yeah, I really really haven't thought about anything like that yet, but I know going to that weekend will have two different races, which will be really fun, and I'm really looking forward to that weekend of racing. All right, so your focus is on, on your two races, and uh, we'll have to find out how you celebrate afterward. Uh, but I was I was mm-hmm. kind of mentioning too that you uh, the last the first two years that you were in the Canon Pro Series, you had uh, some pretty tough competition. You had Derek Thorne one year, and then the next year you had uh, Todd Gilliland. Uh, were you able to learn from what were the key things that you took from those two seasons that's helping you this year? Uh, Todd, he actually he actually taught me a lot with saving tires and being there at the end of the races and being patient. And then Derek Thorne as well, he was really good at just kind of, as they'd say, lurking in the weeds throughout the race. And then all of a sudden, when lap 130 comes around or 150 lap race, he's there in the lead or really close to it. So they're both really, really smart racers, and they both know what they're going to do and how to manage a race really well. Okay, so you you really had some great uh, uh, opportunity there to learn from those drivers. And um, <clears throat> I know we're coming up on the end here. What are the shout-outs that you want to do before we say goodnight tonight, Derek? Yeah, for sure. I just thank everyone that uh, that's making this possible, like Napa Auto Parts and Enio Soil and Bill McAnally Racing, every single person that's on my crew, they work they work really hard on the race cars to make them as good as what they were this weekend. And they're really looking forward to Phoenix. It'll be a really fun race. And uh, I'm really excited and really, really happy to uh, go to Phoenix as the final race of the season. Okay. Will this be your last uh, truck race as well? Uh, this one. And then I think we're going to do Homestead too. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you've got two more truck races. The la- this is the last uh, K&N Pro Series race of the season. Uh, the Napa Annuals 150 is scheduled to broadcast on NBC Sports Network on October the 31st at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So everybody can set their DVRs now to be able to watch that race. And then, of course, the season finale uh, for the K&N Pro Series West will take place at ISM Raceway in Phoenix on November 9th, uh, and that will be uh, live-streamed on fanschoice.tv. So that's uh, going to be a big day for Derek Krause and uh, Bill McAnally Racing. And as always, we're so glad to get an opportunity to chat with you a little bit here tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll have next time we have you on, you'll be the uh, the next champion in the Canon Pro Series West. Yeah, for sure, hopefully in- Thank you guys for having me on again. Okay, Derek. uh, Take care and good luck out at Phoenix. Yep, thank you. Okay. 
All right. Uh, that was uh, Derek Krauss, and he's with Bill McAnally Racing and uh, currently leading the series point standings in that series and uh, doing very, very well uh, as, uh, as that series winds down. Uh, coming up next, we will be talking at during our 9 o'clock time frame, we'll be talking with the folks there at Stuart Hawes Racing. Uh, we have those guys as champions coming on. They won their championship last Wednesday, and uh, they were racing in the E-NASCAR Heat Pro League. And uh, this is the very first year for that series, uh, Sal, so it's pretty exciting uh, for Stuart Haas Racing to come home with that championship uh, and racing uh, this series. Uh, both Slick and Hot Rod are the uh, champions from Stuart Haas Racing, but we'll also have Jake the Voice Morris coming on board to chat with us as well uh, as he worked with them all season long and was pretty much their spokesperson. Uh, they did something pretty unique with uh, their strategy for these guys this season. Oh yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty neat to you know talk like we we talked earlier. You know, talk to them about it. You know, see how the uh, <clears throat> you know see how the the season you know went, and you know since it's something new, you know, and you know it's it's new to them. It's new to us. It it is. It's new to us, and we're just learning all about it as well. But uh, I'm really excited to talk to these guys and and to bring some awareness to it because I think it's a it's a pretty big deal. I do remember watching the draft uh, last spring when all of these major teams in NASCAR were were giving their draft picks and uh, thinking about, wow, these guys really put some thought into this about how they're going to recruit these guys to come in their organization and race uh, this new series, the E-NASCAR Pro League, Heat Pro League. And uh, it, it, uh, uh, it, they've televised it on TV a few times, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. So I'm kind of excited to hear their thoughts about uh, taking part in this first season of the series. And uh, what Stuart Haas Racing did that was so different from everybody else is they really focused their drivers on what they needed to do to win the races uh, versus uh, being more actively involved on social media. So uh, I think that probably was pretty smart on their part uh, because uh, that's how you win races is spending time on the practicing and uh, and uh, setups and, and so forth. So um, I know that uh, it's going to be a lot of fun hearing their perspectives on uh, uh, going after that this season. Yeah, it is. I wonder who I wonder who who supplied them with the consoles. I wonder if NASCAR supplied them or if, or if that's something that the teams had to, you know, kind of get on their own or, you know, since it's all something new. It, it, it's all something new, but uh, I know that uh, they were involved with this at uh, uh, NASCAR Plaza uh, for the season finale, and they were racing the virtual ISM raceway at Phoenix. Um, and I saw them on the councils there to via the pictures and everything. Uh, but, yeah, that's a good question. We'll have to ask them when they come on here. 
uh, and uh, we'll be doing that momentarily. Uh, just to give you a little background, uh, their nicknames again are Slick, uh, and Slick is Josh Shoemaker. He's from Virginia. Uh, he's 25 years old, and he raced on uh, Xbox console. Uh, and uh, then there's Brandon Gritton, Hot Rod, and he is 23 years of age, and he is from the Indiana uh, area. So uh, it's it's kind of fun to see that a lot of these drivers from all over the country are coming together uh, via this uh, series, the eNASCAR Heat Pro League, and uh, racing each other. Uh, and a lot of times they don't get to see each other. But through this series, now maybe they can uh, when they get together to race uh, uh, on, you know, during that season finale. I think everybody was there together. Yeah, it, it's going to be um, <clears throat> it's going to be neat, you know, to you know ask you know ask ask them, you know, if there's a, there's a few other things. I'm curious myself, you know, is how do you, how do you get involved in something like this, you know? I mean, are you picked or, you know, is, is there going to be a screening process or is it going to be open, you know, kind of like an open, uh, how do you call it? Uh, well, they you know, had a draft uh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, like it, it's going to be an open draft. I mean, do you, do, can, you, can you kind of, you know, get into it like you that? Apply you apply know, to be considered, things? yeah. Yeah, those are all good questions that we're going to ask here. I'm going to bring them into the queue now. Uh, again, we have Jake, the voice Morris, uh, and we have one of the drivers, uh, I believe. I'm not sure if it's Slick or Hot Rod, uh, but I just brought you guys into the queue. Uh, Jake, can you hear us? Hey, how's it going? Yep, I've got you. Okay, and then we have another driver here. I'm not sure if it's Slick or Hot Rod. Who do we have? Hot Rod. Okay, Hot Rod. Uh, Slick was here earlier. He dropped off uh, momentarily, so maybe he'll be able to come back. Uh, But, uh, Jake, I know you guys have been listening in. Uh, Give us a little background on this. Uh, Sal uh, will have some questions as well, but... uh, I know you guys did the draft back in the spring. How did you guys come to select these two drivers from all the drivers that yeah, are out I mean, there? Was, and do how, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was a a very drawn out process for us. Um, you know, we obviously wanted to select two drivers that not only got the job done on the track, which these guys did, but they also um, represent our company well and represent what we wanted to do. I heard you guys talking a little bit about how we had a unique strategy this year. Um, and that was definitely the case. You know, we put our guys in helmets and um, kind of made them look like the stick if you've ever seen Top Gear um, and, and allowed <laughs> me to, to speak on their behalf. So I was like their spokesperson, their manager. If you want to think of it like a WWE manager, that's kind of the role that I played this year. Okay. And and uh, Hot Rod, you guys won the championship uh, just last week on October the 23rd. And uh the racing, you won your race, and I think Slick came in second, but it ended up being a virtual tie. But you guys won because you led the most laps. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. That's correct. Okay. And and what were your thoughts going into that race? Um, I knew we had, had the cars to do it. We were 
we ran a bunch of practice sessions. I was pretty confident as long as the race state green flag, which my race did, which played into my hands exactly how I wanted it. I knew if it stayed green with no cautions, we'd leave the field, and that's what happened. Um, we practiced the strategy that he had to end up performing, as in saving the right rear. We practiced that all week, and we felt pretty good on that side, too. And it just comes down to all the practice. You know, we put in all long hours, and just paid off. And that was pretty awesome to see. Okay. So, and you guys you guys had a lot of wins going into this as well. Uh, I know you had four wins, and your teammate had uh, three wins. Uh, so that had to give you quite a bit of confidence as well. Oh, yeah, most definitely. After the draft, we believed all, we already knew we felt like we were the best overall team out there, hands down. But you knew from the you knew from the very beginning. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, we had some bad luck starting out, but once we got it rolling, there was no stopping us. <laughs> uh, th- that's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, I'm going to pass the baton now over to Sal because I know he has a question that he wanted to ask, and you might have heard one of his questions. Uh, I know you guys were listening. So, Sal, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, first of all, I want I want to thank all of the three of you for coming on to the show. Um, this is really it's kind of interesting because I have a friend out here in California who was on Bubba Wallace's team, and um, I okay. I never had a chance to really talk to him, you know, about what what it pertained to. But I remember when they when he got drafted and he went he got to go on the stage, you know, he talked a lot about it, and then and then all of a sudden I didn't hear him talk anymore. But then Sharon, you know, told me this week, you know, we were having you guys on. So I guess anyone, anybody that can answer the question is, how do you get involved in something like this? Yeah, I can jump in on, on and help out with that. Um, so these guys, uh, what they had to do was uh, when when seven or four games came to us as, as all the teams um, and said, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna run this deal, we're gonna have this league. Um, these guys actually had a bunch of qualifying races that they were a part of. So they would qualify, they would build up their stats. Um, and basically, um, you know, heading into the draft, 704 games and NASCAR would provide all this information to us. Here's the top guys. You know, here are the guys that, that are going to be in the pool that you guys can draft from. So um, I know that on our side, um, after those guys did everything they needed to do, you know, they had their own console, so I heard you asking about that. Uh, but um, after they provided us with the information that we needed, um, we put together these huge spreadsheets that basically said, all right, here's the important values for our team, um, and here's what we, we wanted to pick from. Um, you know, be it, you know, how often they run in the top five, how many laps they led, how dominant they were on the track. And we actually had Daniel Canost, who you may know as a, a former crew chief at Stewart House Racing. Now he's one of our lead engineers, um, help us out with that grid. And, and I swear we had 58 columns worth of data in there uh, when choosing our guys. So it all started with qualifying races. Then it led into, you know, more draft boards, kind of like a fantasy football draft. Um, and then we made our selections there in Phoenix earlier this year. So, you know, as, as far as, you know, the, you know, the, the councils that you guys are using, um, is this something that, you know, I mean, I mean, before you guys had the league, is this something, you know, that, that they were doing, you know, before, you know, maybe a year, two, three years out, or is it something that just kind of started, you know, when you guys, you know, started, you know, when you start talking about the league? Yeah. Yeah. Started. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Brandon. I love that. I was just, yeah, we've been – racing on these games obviously for a long time and then I'd say earlier last year 
they actually kind of started something. It was it was part of esports. This it was before the teams came on board, and we got to I say I think it was eight from each console got to go to Miami and race for a prize. So we did that, and when we come back, that's when they started this stuff with the teams. So it's been going on for a little over a year now to get to where we're at. So how 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 much realistic is this, you know, to actually, you know, be down on the track? Because I heard you talking about, you know, you guys are talking, you know, about the, you know, saving right tires and stuff like that. I mean, are are, are the cars, um, can you set them up, diff, you know, for different tracks or, or how does all that? How does all that play into, you know, to you know, to get into the actual race itself? Yeah, as far as setting them up like that for the finale race, I probably had thirty to forty hours between the two weeks just on that one track. Like it, you put a lot of hours into the setups of these tracks. One one question, and then I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon because I know Sharon has questions. I have a lot, I have a few more, but. Do any of you actually race, you know, you know, like, you know, like, you know, out, outside of this, you know, as far as maybe a late model or a, or a legend, you know, or super late or uh, modified or anything like that? I grew up racing on dirt tracks from like the age of, I don't know, seven or eight till I was about 16. And then I kind of got out of it for financial purposes, but I do have some experience in real life. Hmm. Interesting. Now with that, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon. Okay, and and you guys have won championships uh, racing on the dirt, right? Uh, I think I won one when I was about twelve or thirteen in a dirt go kart, but that's that was the only one. Oh, okay. So, but that that helps <laughs> to have a championship oh, yeah, uh, as well. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Jake, I wanted to, to talk to you, too, about uh, uh, what kind of support do you give to these guys? I know you've been the spokesperson for for both Slick and Hot Rod throughout the season, but how does uh, SHR help support these guys on their setups or, or on their racing uh, throughout the season? Yeah, yeah, to start out, um, after the guys got drafted, we helped them out a little bit with getting them, you know, up to date on equipment, so... Uh, both the guys had some wheels that they liked and some um, basically racing seats that they used to. Um, so we helped them out in that capacity. On my end, I was helping more with just, you know, kind of being their their PR person. But we did have some um, some team members on our side, like I mentioned, Daniel Canos, um, where these guys could kind of ping some questions off of him. Um, he was able to give them some feedback on their setups and, and kind of let them know things that work on the real side and see if that translates over to the to the digital side. So. Um, there's a lot that we've been able to do for these guys, and um, we've been glad to have them all year long. Yeah, that that's pretty cool, uh, especially for the first season. Uh, that puts you guys kind of in a in a legendary status along with your names when you think about it, because you'll be forever the very first winners in this uh, series. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Awesome. Okay, yeah, that is pretty awesome. It, it's uh, uh, talk about that from a Stuart Haas perspective, uh, Jake. What that means to you guys at Stuart Haas Racing to have that first championship? Yeah, it's been huge for us. I know when we first sat down, when, when the league got started, and we were, were discussing, you know, how the season would go, um, we were given one directive, one direction. Um, 
you know, as, as kind of the marketing department. And that was to go out and pick two guys that, that could win that first championship. We wanted to go out and dominate. Um, so being able to follow through and get that championship, obviously there's a lot of people on our side that are really happy with it. Um, but to be able to say that you're the first champion in anything is, is really awesome. And I, I told the guys, Brandon and Josh, that, you know, as soon as they got done, like, hey, you guys are the, are the first, you're the champions, you know. So um, it's, it's been awesome. And I know those guys are still letting it soak in a little bit. But um, I think they'll realize that, you know, next year when we get this going again, that, hey, that we were the first at this. You know, somebody may come along and win it this year, but, you know, we'll always be known as the first. Absolutely. That's pretty cool. And has it soaked in yet, uh, uh, Brandon, for you? It's, yeah, it's soaking in. Um, it's definitely an enjoyable experience. And I just want to say one thing is that we are the first ones to do it, but we're just getting started. There's plenty more championships to come our way. <laughs> that That is pretty cool. And it, it has been a success. And I, I think uh, – Next year, it'll be even bigger because people will have a little bit more familiarity with what it's all about. Um, And it's already big for those people that are into the gaming uh, competition. So uh, you want to bring in new people, too. Now, do you have sponsors like you do, uh, like the regular NASCAR drivers? Well, this year, we actually um, kind of took it slow on the sponsor uh, portion of our program. Uh, simply because we didn't really know what the value would be on it. So it's hard to sell a sponsor in when you, when you don't really know what viewership's going to be um, and everything along those lines. So viewer, viewership has been amazing this year. So um, we can go into year two and, and, you know, pitch this to a couple sponsors and, and see who wants to, to get on board. We have a lot of partners that are very interested in it. Um, obviously, eSports is a, is a growing uh, market in the country right now. So um, a lot of the bigger brands are, are trying to, to figure out a way to break, break into it. Um, and doing it through their NASCAR program may be the easiest way. Okay, and and uh, Jake, before you go, I want to know how you guys are going to celebrate uh, at Stuart Haas Racing, and then individually, Hot Rod, how are you guys going to celebrate? <laughs> We've answered this question a couple times, and uh, it, it's typically the same answer. Uh, we we drank quite a few Bush beer and, and, and had a good time, and um, <laughs> I know you guys probably saw some of the broadcasts. Uh, you know, we were pouring Coca-Cola on each other, so, you know, getting a couple sponsor plugs in there, but, but it's true, that's what we did. Yeah, he's Bush beer. Bush beer. That's a, that's a, that's a good way to celebrate. Uh, any other shout outs that you want to guys want to do? I know we were trying to limit it here. We went a little bit over time, uh, and I appreciate you guys doing that. But any other shout outs that you want to do before we say good night? I just want to give a shout out to Stuart Haas. I mean, they're the ones who made both of our dreams come true. We wouldn't be champions without them. So, us. Again, thanks to y'all, Jake, and Stuart Haas Racing. Yeah, and then on, on my end, you know, obviously thanks to our two drivers, Josh and Brandon. They they put so much time and effort into it when we got down there uh, for the finale. You'd have some of the guys out there having a good time, you know, going to the bars in Uptown Charlotte, but our, but our guys are sitting in their hotel rooms practicing all night. So um, they they did great. Um, everybody back at Stuart Haas Racing on the marketing department, when we sat down and, and came up with this deal, you know, there was a lot of, of thought and a lot of ideas that went into it, and luckily – um, a few things stuck and, and really took off for us. And then, of course, 704 Games and NASCAR for all they've done to, to support it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is this has really been huge, I think, and, and I think a great way uh, for people to uh, uh, learn about this, uh, this uh, NASCAR Heat Pro Series League. 
now Sal's telling me he's got one other question he wants to ask. Are you guys game? Yeah, we're down. Okay. Okay. All right. This is actually for the both of you. What What's it like? You know, when when the playoffs came, you know, and you had all these people around you, you know, and you're sitting, you know, in the council, you know, and you're you're trying to focus on what's going on, you know, in front of you, as compared to usually, you know, when most people, you know, are racing in the council, you know, you guys are practicing, you're probably doing, you know, in the privacy of your own room or, you know, living room, wherever it may be, you know, where it's quiet and you don't have all the distractions around you. What was it like? Uh, you know, before the race, going doing the introductions and all that media stuff, it was nerve wracking. But once you sat down in the chair and got focused, and the green flag dropped, you didn't even realize nothing around you. It was just game mode, pretty much. Yeah. And then okay, I guess just, on the team side, yeah, just just on the team side, um, you know, my 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 standard job is is partnership marketing on on the Cup Series side, so. Um, you know, I'm, I'm used to going to the track and being nervous and, you know, not knowing what's going to happen in a race. But I tell you what, you know, sitting down there and, and watching those guys run in those final closing laps of the Xbox race where they were door-to-door bouncing off each other, um, that may be the most <laughs> nervous that I've been, you know, watching a race. And, and it's not even a race, it's a virtual race. You know, that that's awesome. And actually, did um, uh, uh, Tony Stewart or, or uh, Kevin Harvick, any, did any of the drivers come down? Cole Custer and you come down to watch you guys? No, unfortunately not. We we tried to get a couple guys down there, but they were all um, busy with some of their obligations. Um, I know that a lot of the guys uh, they were watching back at home, and, and they even sent some videos in wishing wishing our guys good luck before the race. So um, I know that was cool for Brandon and Josh to be able to see those guys saying, you know, go get them, guys. Oh, you know, yeah, Jake definitely. and actually, <laughs> you know, Jake and actually, when they when they talked about the Bush beer, I thought maybe Kevin Harvick, you know, had personally delivered it to them but i guess that didn't happen <laughs> that would have been fun <laughs> yeah <it would've. laughs> you know what on my end i just want to say thank thank you guys for coming on it was, this is great man i i know i don't mean sharon are going to want you guys to come back again and um you know good luck and you know with the rest of this you know i guess with well with next season jake it's awesome i mean what you guys are doing there at Stuart haas of course Stuart haas is my favorite racing organization anyways because of uh, my friendship with Joe and Cindy Custer and of course Cole Custer I've seen him I mean I've been with him since he started racing years ago so um, this is awesome that we that we got a chance to get you know Stuart Haas as our very first guest in the in the in the eNASCAR racing series yeah thank you guys for having us on and hopefully this time next year we're, we're calling back in for another interview <laughs> yes sir Sharon I appreciate y'all too for having us oh well, it's been it's been uh, really fun for us as well, uh, Jake and and uh, Brandon, because uh, we're really excited about your championship and uh, learning more about the series. And uh, I I want to thank both of you for taking the time to be here tonight too, and being game to go a little bit over as well. Um, and we really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully, we will get another opportunity to chat with you down the road here. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Yes, okay. Thank you, guys. Congratulations. Congratulations, you. you guys. Thanks. Okay. Good night. Good night. All right. Uh, that was uh, Brandon Gritton and Josh. Uh, I'm sorry, Brandon. Brandon Gritton and Jake Morris, the voice uh, from Stuart Haas Racing. 
they did. Uh, I thought they did a really good job of uh, uh, explaining it to us and giving some us uh, some of the emotion uh, that goes into racing and how exciting it is to watch those guys uh, doing it at the console. Yeah, you know, Sharon, it's neat because you know, I mean, I, I know there's a lot more. You know they, that they, you know, probably could have touched on, you know, as far as you know, the series itself, you know. But I mean, at least, at least we got something, you know. You know, I mean, a lot more understand than what I understood about it. You know, I, all I know is what is what you know my buddy had said, you know, which was real quick, a five minute conversation. But you know, to hear, you know, you know how exciting it is, you know, and and you know, you wonder where it's gonna, how far it's gonna go, you know, how how many years, you know, up the road, you know, and you know, like. Like they mentioned, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's going to get big, you know, and a lot of people, you know, are inquiring about it. So it's going to be a, I, 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 I think, you know, I was, I was looking at all the pictures, you know, that you posted, and man, it's, it's it looks pretty exciting. Even an old yes, guy like me could probably do it. <laughs> well, what's really kind of cool about it too, Sal, is that they televised uh, a couple of the races, and when you watch it on TV, it's just like watching any other race in NASCAR. Uh, but there's these guys sitting at consoles that are racing these cars, and uh, it, it is pretty exciting to watch. Uh, and and what was cool too is the couple of races that they televised on TV. Uh, it, it, what happened is that they were able to uh, announce it just like they would a regular NASCAR race. So like Parker Kligerman and some of the other guys, you know, were actually announcing the race as it was happening. So that was pretty cool, um, and uh, I, I'm really excited uh, to see that they're really moving forward with this, and I think that is kind of a lot of the future, because, uh, uh, and that's kind of where I want to go with this next, is that, you know, the next generation of fans that are coming up in NASCAR, they're going to be very familiar with this type of racing, where you and I are kind of the old people who do are not as familiar with this a lot of the younger generation are very familiar with it and they're really into it and i think uh it's pretty cool to see nascar taking that step yeah it is you know and um you know it was i mean i it was it was neat you know i mean gosh you know you know to you know to think you know how i mean gaming's big as it is you know i mean anybody that's involved in gaming i mean mm-hmm. Even though, even over here at our at our, at uh, the LA County Fair, they have one exhibit hall. The last two years, that was just focused on gaming. That was it, and you know they're letting people go in there and game, you know, and do it for free. And I mean, gosh, these guys were in there, you know, young, old. I mean, they were just glued, just glued to the screen, and uh, it was it was it was amazing, you know, at the you know. You know, and, and how many people were I mean, the lines to get in there was gosh. I know, I know it is big, and uh, I think it's going to get bigger uh, in the years to come. And uh, I think it's pretty cool to see these guys be the very first uh, winners uh, of the series. And um, uh, again, the fact that Jake and those kind of uh, started these guys out with helmets. So nobody knew who who they really were. They were just slicking hot rod all season long, uh, and they were totally focused on their setups and on the racing. And Jake handled all of the media obligations and any of the social media obligations. He was there uh, representing them that way. So uh, they didn't know who they were until the very last race when they went to ISM Raceway. 
the virtual IMS Raceway uh, at NASCAR Plaza, and um, that's when they unveiled who these two guys were. All season long, nobody knew. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, they're. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, they're winning that championship. You know, was you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, all all the teams, you know, that that participated. I mean, that's that's their one goal, you know, is to win the championship. You know, but for you know, for them doing, you know, for Stuart Haas, you know, and uh, you know, and all the time and effort, you know, that went into it, you know, um, I can imagine all the, like he said, all the, you know, all the hours of practice. You know, yes. just you know, just I mean, to get there. You know, a lot of then, hours that he talked about. Oh man. That's more hours than I work in a week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I give those guys a lot of kudos. I think I think it's fantastic. Uh, I'm really excited for them and for Stuart House Racing and uh, uh, the whole gaming process here and uh, the the hours that it took them to kind of analyze all of the data from these gamers. Uh, and and make their selections. Uh, they certainly made the right selections with um, with uh, both uh, Josh Shoemaker, uh, known as Slick, and uh, Brandon Gritton, known as Hot Rod. Um, so uh, that was a lot of fun, and uh, I hope we do get another opportunity to chat with them. Okay, yeah, that's Sal. pretty neat how they gave it. That's pretty neat how they gave a nickname, you know, and you know that's pretty neat, you know, how they gave him a nickname. You know, and, well, and, did uh, you notice that Slick H uh, and Hot Rod are the same acronym as SHR? Stuart Hawes Racing. No, I didn't. I didn't catch that until you just said that. I, I was sitting here looking at the looking at your at your article, but oh yeah, huh? Slick and Hot Rod SHR. Wow. <laughs> so that was pretty clever. All right, so uh, Sal, it's time for us to go ahead and do some reviewing of the races that took place at Martinsville this week, uh, and we should probably go ahead and start with the uh, Martinsville race uh, with the Gander Outdoor Truck Series with the winner Todd Gilliland at the age of 19 in that number four Mobile One Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports with crew chief Wes Ward. Uh, he won the 21st annual NASCAR Hall of Fame 200. It was his first victory in 46 Gander Outdoor Truck Series races. His first victory in 13th top 10 finish uh, this season, and his first victory in second top 10 finish in five races that he's had at Martinsville Speedway. Uh, Ross Chastain posted second place, his fourth top 10 finish in eight races at Martinsville, and it's his 17th top 10 finish this season. Johnny Sauter was third, posting his 14th top 10 finish in 24 races at Martinsville Speedway. And Sheldon Creed, who finished 10th, was the highest finishing rookie. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's pretty cool what the, what uh, Todd was able to do uh, in that race. Yeah, he, he you know he, he he needed the win. He needed something you know big before the end of the season, and I know he has been you know, pushing and pushing and pushing at it, you know what, and, um, you know, he finally got the win. So now it's, it's going to be curious. It's going to be curious to see, you know, how, you know, if he can, you know, grab a couple more before the season, you know, and, you know, and, and how he's going to, you know, how strong he's going to finish out the season. Yeah, we're going to listen to his post-race conference uh, 
press conference, and I'll tell you, he talks about how tough it was not having that win because he was so used to winning, you know, coming off of the Canyon Pro Series, and then to go to 46 races before he gets his first win in the trucks. Uh, it just goes to show it is a little bit of a transition for these guys uh, when they're when they're coming from the Canyon Pro Series up into the the, the Cup se- or Truck Series. Now I mentioned the first uh, three drivers: Johnny Sauter, uh, Ross Chastain, and Todd Gilliland. Grant Infinger finished fourth, and Timmy Hill. What a great finish for him coming home in the fifth place. Uh, the next. Uh, five drivers were Stuart Friesen, John Hunter Nemechek, Danny Bone, who came over from the Modified Series. Uh, he's going to be racing the rest of the year uh, with uh, On Point Motorsports. Jeb Burton came home with a ninth-place finish, and Cody Rohrbaugh, uh finished in tenth. So uh, pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was it was a it was a uh, very good uh, run. Uh, very good run, you know, for for a lot of drivers this weekend, and um, you know, it's it's um, you know, getting ready to to see who's going to be crown champion is going to be uh, I guess our next uh, <laughs> beat. And you know what? Why didn't why didn't your staff give me the finishing order? Uh, I'm looking at huh, the finishing order here. You didn't get the finishing order. It's like the oh, third it or fourth sheet in. Yeah, it's in the yeah, back. Yeah, it's, 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 it's page. Yeah, it's page nine, nine. It should be page one of nine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or scrolling the <clears throat> scrolling, and then there's they put a bunch of blank pages in between. Okay, here <laughs> well, we go. Well, I don't know how that happened. Um, but uh, the 24 truck of uh, Brett Moffat won the first stage. It was the 21. Uh, I want to say, I know it's not. I'm used to Johnny Sauter being in that 21 truck. Uh, that was Sam Mayer this weekend with GMS Racing. And then, uh, of course, Todd Gilliland won that third uh, stage. Uh, Twelve caution flags for 80 laps, eight lead changes among seven drivers uh, in that race, Sal. Uh, you want to go ahead and cover the uh, points for us? Yeah, looking at points, uh, let me see where we're at here. Now i got to go up 50 pages. Here I am. <laughs> look, look at the points. We uh, still lead the points is Brad Moffitt. Second in points is Stuart Friesen. Third in points is uh, Ross Chastain. And then the next uh, the next four down, the next four, actually the next three down is uh, Austin Hill, Matt Crafton, Tyler Akram, sixth, Johnny Sauter, in seventh, and Grant Infinger rounds out the top eight. Yeah, yeah. Now the guys, they're going to be in an elimination round here. Uh, this, I think, they're racing in Martinsville. Uh, let me pull it up here real quick. They're racing, uh, <clears throat> I think Martinsville was their first race. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. They have already raced two races in the round of six. So actually, ISM Raceway is going to be their cutoff race uh, to determine who their final four are. So they will not be racing at Texas this weekend. Uh, And what's interesting in this round, Sal, is Spencer Boyd, who's a non-playoff contender, won uh, the first race in this round at Talladega. (coughs) And now it's Todd Gilliland 
also a non-playoff contender who won the second race of this round. So these guys have to be kind of nervous going into uh, ISM Raceway at Phoenix, uh, the elimination race, to figure out who the four drivers are going to be that are going to go to the championship round at Homestead, Miami. Yeah, they are, because right now Tyler Tyler Akram's at the bottom on the bubble, and uh, he's only six points behind um, uh, Matt Crafton right now as it stands. As it stands right now, yeah, he, he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, him and Matt Crafton are the two bottom drivers right now, and then Austin Hill is in fourth place, uh, and uh, then you've got Ross Chastain in third. Uh, so Stuart Friesen and Brett Moffat are the guys above that cutoff line. Uh, and you know what's making a lot of the big difference here are those playoff points, Sal. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, you know what? All across the board, it's, a, it's those playoff points. Um, Tyler Akram, you know, he had the he had the – he had the got caught up in the wreck, you know, on Saturday, and um, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, you could see, you know, I mean, the disgust, you know, thinking, gosh, you know what, without any playoff points, you know what, I'm going to be at the bottom. Basically, he's in a, he's in he a, win. he's in a has to win. He has, he's in a has to win situation right now, because Brad Moffat yeah, is sitting on 34 playoff points, um, all the way down to the fourth. To the fourth place driver, Austin Hill has 17, and Tyler Ickram only has five playoff points. Yes, and and he's behind by how much? Tyler Ingram is behind 51 to 36. So, the, having more playoff points could could put him in a better position. Could have. Put yeah, him. it could have. Yeah, I mean, but you know I, that that's why that's why that's why you know. It's funny because they talk about it, but yet they don't. You know, when this during the season, you know what they really don't focus on them that much. You know, they're, they're focused, you know, on well, you know, you know the the last, you know, the last stage. Let's get the win. Well, Tyler Ingram really has had a good season. He's the highest finishing rookie. Uh, this is a rookie year for him, and he didn't even know if he was going to be racing a few races. I remember having him on the show here where. Uh, you know, he was not sure if he had the sponsorship to race the next race. So it's been kind of a hit-or-miss season for him. And then earlier in the season, he missed a couple of the races because he wasn't old enough yet to race on those tracks. So uh, in light of that, uh, he's got 18 races out of the 21 starts that everybody else has. So when you think about all of that, I think he's really persevered quite a bit. Uh, to be in the top six drivers in this series. Yeah, he has. I mean, you know, you, you gotta. I mean, you know, I, I'm sure he didn't expect to win the championship in his rookie year like he did in the Canon East. I'm sure he, you know, he knew that the truck series was going to be a little bit more, you know, a lot more competition, <laughs> a lot more tougher. But I mean, even to make the chase and get this far. You know, you know, when yeah. you start looking, you know, down at some of the veterans, you know, I mean, heck, you know, he did a great job, especially for DGR racing, you know, who hasn't really been in the truck series, you know, for that many years, you know, and that's probably why, you know, it upset Kyle Busch so much, you know, was that, you know, he brought, you know, well, Todd and uh, Harrison Burton bought their rides, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and the reason they went there was, you know, to, to make the playoffs, you know, and hope and, you know, have the best shot at the championship, 
you know, and you got two of your, you know, two of your young guys, you know, who, who, who didn't even make the chase who are sitting outside looking in, you know, then, you, of course, you know, the, then you look at Tyler Aker, you know, in a DGR truck, you know, thinking, gosh, you know, how did, you know, how did he manage to get in my, and my two drivers didn't. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> the thing is, is that, uh, uh, Kyle Gilliland was able to go after that victory. Harrison Burton has been knocking on the door, uh, of getting a victory. So, uh, Harrison already has a ride for next year. He'll be racing the Xfinity Series next year in that number 20 truck uh, car. And uh, Todd Gilliland uh, is still trying to figure out where he's going to be racing next season. But this win uh, was really a big deal for him. I do have the post-race conference, uh, uh, post-race audio uh, from Todd Gilliland and his crew chief, Wes Ward. Uh, the entire interview was 11 minutes and 24 um, seconds here, uh, but I think what we'll do is we'll play uh, at least a couple minutes here uh, and uh, get your thoughts. We'll hear from both uh, Todd Gilliland and West Ward here. Okay, hold on. All right, we are now joined by the winner of the 21st annual NASCAR Hall of Fame 200, Todd Gilliland, crew chief West Ward. First career victory in the Gander Trucks for Todd. And just go ahead and open up and talk about that uh, exciting race and finally getting us to your first victory. Yeah, what a race. Um, I'd say we didn't have quite the speed just overall. Um, to start the race, I was really tight. Uh, we made one pit stop and made it a lot, a lot better, where I could contend for probably top five. And then we were in a wreck, knocked the nose in, knocked the whole right side in. Um, we were going to stay out. But we decided the tires were probably rubbed, so we came in and got four fresh tires and made even more adjustments. And um, man, I think our, we, our, we made our truck a ton better throughout the race. Uh, played the pace of the, the whole race really well. Um, after we got that last set of, last set of tires, um, just picked people off kind of methodically. And um, you know, 40 laps is a long time here, uh, even at the end when we were up in like fourth or fifth. So um, just about controlling it from there and um, just being smart. Thank you, Wes. If you uh, go ahead and just walk us through that race and your view of it from on top of the pit box. Well, just wow, right off the bat. I mean, Todd deserves every bit of it. Uh, KBM, uh, they fall really hard for Todd, and Todd's fought really hard. It always seems like it's something. He's been in position to win quite a few races, and it just hadn't happened. So for to finish it off the day is amazing for Todd, his family. Um, you know, KBM's worked really, really hard, hadn't been in victory lane with, uh, I guess you call it the kids, and, you know, uh, Todd and, and uh, uh, Harrison has been under a lot of scrutiny uh, for that, but uh, he prevailed, prevailed today, and uh, just what a race. I mean, we went through a little bit of everything. I mean, it was a true team sport today. Uh, the crew guys did an amazing job uh, with everything that was wrong. Uh, there at the end with about 30 to go. It was spewing water. I think the radiator ducting's knocked out of it. I, can't, I, I really didn't think it was going to make it, and it was going to be another one of those scenarios where it's like, well, I almost Todd, but... Uh, Today, um, uh, it happened, and it's uh, pretty cool. Great. Thank you. Congratulations. We can go ahead and open up for media questions. Please raise your hand. Wait for the wire. Okay, Sal, let's get your thoughts about uh, the comments there. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, the comments, you know, they all, you know, you know, they, they basically, you know, they, they uh, speak for themselves, you know, I mean, 
you know, it was a it was a good hard fought battle, you know, when um you know, to be especially to beat Chastain at the end the way he did and um mm-hmm. I actually had to watch the end of the race on a on a uh somebody's um YouTube channel 'cause I didn't get to see the race, but I wanted to see the last few laps. And somebody had said that the, I guess Fox Sports went off during the, during the the last lap. I don't know if it's true or not, but, um, you know, to beat a driver like Chastain, you know, the way he did, you know, it, you know, it speaks volumes. You know, I'm I'm not saying that he's the next coming of of the NASCAR superstar, but you know, it's it's a step in the right direction. It, it really is a step in the right direction, and uh, it sounds like they had to overcome some things in order to to keep racing, and they were able to do that. So uh, Wes Ward was talking about how uh, it really was a whole team effort to make sure that he was still racing there at the end to be able to go after that. And I don't know if you noticed his truck or not, but his truck was all banged up as well. Uh, and uh, he was still able to win that race. So uh, it, it was hard fought and well deserved. Yeah, well, and, you know, and you just gotta, you know, you gotta give him a lot of, uh, um, you know, you just gotta give him a lot of credit for it, you know, and and you know the the team fought for, it, you know, not that they have been they have been fighting all season, but you know to finally put it all together, you know, and know that you know that all the effort you know, that they put together also, you know, finally, finally came, you know, finally came this, this past weekend, you know, with the victory. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, it really did. And I, I, I uh, know they've got to feel gratified with that. And uh, I hope it does help them find another ride for next season, whether it be in the truck series or the Xfinity series. So I think he deserves that opportunity. Um, and, and we'll have to see what happens. Uh Let's go ahead and move on to the uh, Cup Series, Sal, because uh, that was a pretty, pretty amazing race too, and kind of, kind of a historic race because Martin Truex Jr. pretty much dominated that race. Uh, 39 years old, driving the number 19 Auto Owners Insurance Toyota uh, for Joe Gibbs Racing with crew chief Cole Pern. Uh, he won the 71st annual First Data 500 his 26th victory in 510 Monster Energy Cup Series races, his seventh victory in 21st top 10 at this year, and the first victory in 12th top 10 finish in 28 races at the at Martinsville. William Byron came in second. What a great effort he gave. Uh, the only driver that came close to uh, uh, Martin Truex Jr. He posted his first top 10 finish in four races at Martinsville. And it was his 13th top 10 finish this season. Uh, Brad Keselowski, third, posting his 14th top 10 finish in 20 races at Martinsville. And Daniel Hamrick, who finished 17th, was the highest finishing rookie of the race uh, for this uh, particular event. Uh, Going down the rest of the uh, finishing order here, uh, we had Denny Hamlin in fourth place, Ryan Blaney rounding out the top five, and the next five were Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, and Ryan Newman rounding out the top ten finishers there. Yeah, um, you know, everybody had, I mean, everybody that I know had picked Denny Hamlin to win this race. But um, yeah. gosh, Martin Truex Jr., to lead 464 laps, you know, out of 500 laps, gosh, that was an amazing, <laughs> you know, 
butt whooping right there. You know, I mean, that, he just, you know, mm, he just put really on took a clinic, that's for sure. Yeah, he, he really, really did. He, him, but. he won both of the stages. Uh, there were, uh, what's amazing, uh, there were 11 caution flags for 69 laps, but only three lead changes among just three drivers. Denny Hamlin, of course, was the pole sitter. Uh, who led at Martin Truex, and the only other person to lead any laps was uh, Kyle Larson, uh, and uh, that's just amazing. Yeah, it was it was it was an amazing run by him. You know what? And um, like I said, it was just, uh, you know, it seemed like you know like nobody had nothing for him. You know, and uh, but I don't know. It seems like he's. His demeanor has changed. You know, he seems like he's getting a little bit on the arrogant side, but that's probably <laughs> just me. You know, Kyle, Kyle Bush yeah. had his had his boy. Kyle Bush really had his hands full all weekend. The car, you know, bumping and getting <clears throat> caught in wrecks, and you know, and oh man, he was just. I don't know if he's just frustrated or if he's or if he's pushing too hard or what it is, but you know that this was not right, a typical. I'm sure. Cowboys race. Yeah, I'm sure he's frustrated. Uh, his teammate is doing better than he's doing, uh, and I'm sure he's frustrated uh, by a lot of things. And and somebody brought up, we don't know what's going on in Kyle Busch's life. If there's something else that's going on, that's maybe bothering him. But he has not been himself. I don't think uh, in this playoffs, and uh, that in and of itself has got to be frustrating for him. Uh, and, you know, there's something to be said. For a while I thought he was just kind of hanging back and taking it easy cause, and kind of resting on the points, if you will. Uh, but now he's going to have to pick up the pace if he wants to get to Homestead because uh, these points are really closing up. Uh, let's go ahead and go over these points, Sal, because uh, they're a lot closer than, than you might think. Yeah, they are. They're um... – let me see where we're at. Okay, here we go. Okay, still still leading the points is Martin Truex Jr., Danny Hamlin second, Kyle Busch in third. Um, and then we go down to uh, Joey Logano in fourth, who, gosh, he had his issues uh, um, on Sunday too, you know, as far as, you know, you know, you know, what happened on track and, you know, and hitting the wall, you know, and, you know, and I don't know why he didn't come in a pit right away, why he decided to go around the track again, and then he knew he was going to spin, and sure enough, he spun. But I guess when you're when you're fighting for those points, you know what, you're going to wait till your car falls. Like they say, drive it till the wheels fall off. And that's literally mm-hmm. what he did. Drove it till the wheel fell off. You know, then um, fifth, you got Kevin Harvick, who, gosh, he's just been really quiet, basically really quiet the whole season. And then uh, six is Ryan well, he, Blaney. He, who is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish out the points, and then. Yeah, six is Ryan Blaney. Seventh is uh, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, who had the the mechanical failure. You know, dropped all the way down to eighth. And uh, but he's got he's got a good um, a good amount of uh, playoff points. So you know, even though he's uh, from the fourth spot, he's like. 30, 40, 44 points out of the fourth out of the fourth spot. But Chase, we know Chase is Chase can win at any time. So, you know, I'm sure well, I'm sure Chase is, you know. 
Here's where Kyle Busch and Joey Logano have to be careful because uh, Kevin Harvick could win at Phoenix. Chase Elliott could win at Texas. Uh, Ryan Blaney could win. Kyle Larson could win. Uh, All four of those drivers in the bottom could actually come up with a win and drop one of these other guys down. Uh, So right now, the difference between Kevin Harvick in fifth place and Joey Logano in third place is just 14 points. And Ryan Blaney is just one point behind Kevin Harvick. So uh, that's 15 points (laughs) that separate Joey Logano from Ryan Blaney in sixth place. So, um, and uh, probably another nine points. So what do we say, 15 points? That's uh, 24 points to Kyle Larson. So, this is pretty tight uh, on the bubble, and and I think that these drivers that are, uh, you know, from third through fourth all the way down to uh, eighth, if Chase Elliott can pull off a win in these next two races, uh, they could be in trouble. Only two oh, of those yeah, guys are going to you know, and, and and we have seen trouble. You know, you know, we've seen them. You know, so far as the chase. You know, some of the top. You know, you know, some of the top drivers. You know, get into trouble. You know, getting the wrecks or whatever. You know, and look at Chase Elliott had the mechanical failure he probably never expected. You know, that really really dropped him down. You know, and and you know, uh, Ryan Blaney's just been really kind of quiet and consistent. You know, to stay. You know, and you know, to stay where he's at. You know, in the hunt. Um, I don't know if he if he has it in him. You know, to to make it, you know, to the, to make it to Homestead, but, you know, he's just quietly, you know, biding this time, you know, what, and, you know, grabbing what he can, you know, whatever crumb is left. And again, the, the playoff points are making a huge difference. Denny, Denny Hamlin's in second place. Uh, he's 20 points behind the leader, but, uh, you know, he's uh, just 24 points ahead of Kevin Harvick, who's in that fifth spot. So I think this is going to shuffle up a lot when we get to Texas, and that's why these drivers are racing as hard as they are racing. Uh, Denny Hamlin has 37 playoff points uh, compared to uh, Martin Truex Jr., who has 42, and Kyle Busch has 46, and he's still in third place. So, uh, And he, he's, uh, you know, the, these points are very, very tight. And uh, I think some of these drivers could end up uh, who we think might be going to the playoffs. It might not be who we think it is at this point. That is so true. Like you said, I mean, any any, any one of these drivers can win all the way down, all the way to the board. Not even, you know, that's you know that's even excluding you know the you know the top uh, you know the top eight. You know, any any one of these other non-chase drivers could be could be a spoiler. You know, to where it comes down to points. You know, and uh, you know, it seems like it seems like Truex, Truex and Hamlin are basically. I guess you really, you really can't say they're basically locked in because Truex Kyle is. Bush has more. Yeah, Truex is, but Kyle mm-hmm. Busch has more playoff points than Danny Hamlin. Yes, that. But you know, and, he's and, lost points because of his finishes recently. So yeah, right now he's true, twenty-seven yeah. points back. Yeah. But I mean, his team's pretty good at getting those playoff points. So I don't know. We'll see what it's well, going to be interesting to see what happens. You know. Yeah, momentum is everything, and um, uh, we'll see if he comes alive in these last uh, 
few races. There's two races left. They'll be racing at Texas this weekend, and then Phoenix will be the elimination race uh, to to determine uh, the final four. We know that Kevin Harvick is very, very good at Phoenix. Uh, It's going to be hard to bet against Kevin Harvick at Phoenix. Uh, So I think he's one of the guys that could jump in there with a victory before it's all said and done. And... uh, I do think that one of these other drivers, it's very possible that they, too, could come up with a victory. Uh, and, and you know, we did see the, some of these drivers get a little bit tense at the end of the race at Martinsville, which is typical for Martinsville because it is a short track and it does test people's patience. Um, uh, but any, any thoughts there with uh, what happened at the end of this race, Sal? Yeah, you know, you know that, I mean, the, you know, the, all the drivers talked about, you know, you know the, that uh, tensions are running high. You know, they're going to run high, you know, until they get out of Homestead, until a champion is crowned. And, you know, it, that's just the nature of the beast, the way, you know, they got the, you know, the way they have the, the chase set up, but then not only the, with the way the chase is set up, you know, just, you know, you start taking, you know, all the all the other variables in there. You know what the, you know, especially these playoff points. I mean, at first it didn't seem like, you know, they meant much. But, you know, Martin Truex has shown, you know, the last couple of years, you know, how important those playoff points have been. And, and uh, you know, it seems like his, his team more than any of the other ones are the ones that, you know, focus on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of showed everybody else when he won the championship a couple of years ago how important those playoff points are. Uh, and now he's working on his second championship in three years. Um, and there's a number of drivers here who would love to get that second championship. Uh, Kevin Harvick has a championship under his belt. Joey Logano uh, has a championship. Uh, these guys, uh, Denny Hamlin has yet to have a championship. Uh, Kyle Busch has a championship. He'd love to get a second one. Uh, but <clears throat> it, it's going to be it's going to be a, a bullfight, I think. <laughs> before it's all said and done when you think about uh, the one-mile track at Phoenix and the 1.5-mile track at Texas Motor Speedway uh, to kind of sort it all out between these eight drivers, which four are going to make it to Homestead uh, for the, to race for the title. Uh, I, I, think, I think we're in for some big surprises. Oh, yeah, I think we're in for big surprises too. Um, man, it, it, it could be somebody that, that – None of us even picked. Exactly. You know, to win this thing. I mean, it's uh, it's still up in the air. You know, it's gonna, you know, well, it's like they say, it's gonna go down to the last race, which it is. It's gonna go down to Homestead. You know, where they, you know, they're all gonna, they're all gonna be fighting for that for that win. And and it seems like the the mechanical problems have been kind of a little bit of a problem this year too. Uh, Poor Joy Logano, he had problems before the race even started a week ago. <clears throat> and then it was Chase Elliott this week with his axle and and uh the engine expiring. He's you know, he kinda had a double whammy. So you never know who's gonna be the next one hit with some kind of a mechanical issue as well. Um but let's let's hear what Martin Truex Junior had to say after winning uh this race at uh, Martinsville this weekend. Uh, in his number 19 car. Uh, these are the post-race uh, uh, audio from Martinsville. 
All right. We are now joined by our race winner, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, Martin, if you just want to open up talking about this big win and advancing to Homestead. Oh, sure. Yeah, just uh, really happy about it. Obviously, you know, been um, been trying to work on getting a Martin's win for a long time. It's uh, it's a tough track. It's one that uh, you know everybody I think wants to win at the history here, and just uh, you know, it's such a big part of NASCAR. So really proud of everybody on our team for uh, for what they did, and you know, the car they brought, the pit stops today were incredible. The guys did a great job. So just all around a, a great day, and. Um, you know, to lead that many laps is pretty incredible here. So, big day, big win, and, uh, you know, I think Homestead is the bonus. So, here we go. We'll see if we can win another championship. All right. We will open up for questions and start here with Jenna. Martin, you had uh, not won at a short track before this year, but you were good at short tracks. I mean, what what turned and clicked and made it just so that you could do it? I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, you look at um, we won here, we won at Richmond twice. Uh, you look at how many races at Richmond we should have won in the past few years. Um, yeah, Bristol, we haven't been that great, but we've been close. And then, uh, you know, here, second last, you know, third last year, I guess, leading, coming into the last set of corners. So, yeah, I mean, just, I guess sometimes it's your day, you know. It's your time, and uh, we work hard. We put everything into it. And, you know, sometimes things work the way you want them to. Sometimes they don't. And this year they they went the way we needed them to, and here we are. We don't have to talk about that, do we? <laughs> Wait till next time. <laughs> uh, Mark Garrow, PRN. Um, Martin, can you uh, talk about, I, I heard a little comment that you made on NBC after the race about the intensity and how it's never been this intense. Uh, can you just talk to that a little bit and try to explain to the fans and folks like us what that what that intensity feels like? I mean, I could try, but I'm not that good at it. You know, to be honest, it's hard to explain. It's hard to, you know, without being on that track, it's hard to feel what guys are, you know, putting on the line and how hard they're driving their cars and all those type of things. So, I mean, I just think uh, I feel like every year I've been in this playoff format, it's gotten more difficult. Um, it's got – it just seems like every year somehow people turn up the intensity even more, and I don't know how that's possible. I think this year some is the, you know, the rules package, and especially on the bigger tracks. Uh, you know, with the, wide, the the four and five wide restarts and things like that that, that that play into what we're doing, but just feel like there's a lot more um, a lot more intensity. There's a lot more on the line anymore, I guess. <clears throat> that is so true, Sal. It, it does seem like the intensity is really ramped up every year that they've had the playoffs, uh, and this year it's as intense as intense as I've ever seen it. Yeah, it has. It, 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 you know, it, it does seem like it's gotten more intense this year than what it has been in the past. You know, and um, we're seeing it out on the track. I mean, gosh, look at the, look at the, um, you know, the intensity. You know, I mean, you know, the, the way the drivers are coming off the track. I mean, you know, what's going on on the track itself too. You know, it's all the, you know, there's some, there's some rough, really rough driving this season. You know, for it. You know, yes, these guys aren't holding back. Is. They ain't holding back any punches. I mean, they're they're um, really going at it. Well, even the the NASCAR folks on television, they're talking about the intensity and and uh, how different the racing is from when they were racing. Uh, that these guys are when it comes down to the end of the race, it's kind of like anything goes. 
and everybody's fighting for their own territory out there on the track. And I think that's kind of what happened between Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. Yeah, I I think so too. You know, it's just you know, it's I mean, Joey didn't like the way Denny, you know, you know, hit him, you know, with forty something laps to go, you know, and and he just you know went to voice his opinion, and you know that was the end of that. Didn't last very long mm-hmm. you know, before you know, you know, Joey should have never touched him. First of all, I don't think. But. Well. Yeah, you know, that's that's one we'll definitely be talking about that on hot topics tonight, Sal. Um you didn't see anything like that at uh, at uh Kern County Raceway this weekend, did you? No, nah, not really. You know what? They were all uh how'd you say it? They they all played uh they all played nice with each other, so yeah, we didn't really see it. <laughs> Now, I know uh, Derek won the Canon Pro Series race, and it was Lenny White winning the SRL race out there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good race. Uh, Derek finished third. Derek Dorff finished third. Um, Cole Moore finished second. Okay, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, Derek Derek was was, uh, shaking down a new car. Yeah, bought it. They bought a new car for the Snowball Derby, and uh, they're kind of shaking it down with this race. So, uh, you know, and I was noticing he's, he's got is. a little girl now too, Derek. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like a few months old now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, uh, Sal, are you going to be at a racetrack uh, this weekend? No, probably not. Oh, okay. Well, as usual, I always enjoy uh, talking with you here on Monday nights. Uh, I really had a good time with our guest here tonight with uh, both Derek Krause during the first half hour, Jake the Voice Morris, along with Slick and Hot Rod, uh, both uh, Josh Shoemaker and uh, Brandon Gritton uh, joining us during the second half hour, and then, of course, talking about uh, the Martinsville racing with you. It's always a lot of fun, Sal. Oh, yeah, it always is. Yeah, I had a great time. So we'll look forward to doing it again this coming Monday night. Yep, another Monday, another Monday in the books. <laughs> okay, Sal. Well, thanks for everything you do. I really appreciate you, and and uh, we'll look forward to being back at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, next Monday night right here on Fan for Racing Radio with you. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good, good, uh, and a nice, safe weekend. Oh, okay. Take care, Sal. Okay. Good night. All right. It's at the top of the hour, and that means it's time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And joining me tonight for our conversation uh, is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Uh, thank you, Sharon. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I'm sure you've already touched on several of the hot topics just in talking about the races in themselves. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to. Uh, but uh, I know one big one, uh, we might as well get into it because we were talking about it right at the end of uh, the previous segment here with uh, Sal, and that is uh, the hard intensity of the racing uh, in the Cup Series, well, in all three of the series, really. 
it seems like the intensity of the racing is just ramping up uh, like crazy, and it seems like every year it gets more and more intense. Uh, but specifically, let's talk about the incident between Joey Logano and and uh, Denny Hamlin. I want to get your thoughts about that, the the on-track incident as well as the off-track incident. So let's start well, with that. Okay. All right. The, the on-track, uh, again, I, I don't see a lot there. You're right. It is hard racing. It was still 40 laps to go. You're not talking about getting stage points. At that point, it wasn't for the win. Uh, but, again, not being a driver, I know Denny Hamlin said, you know, it's just short track racing, which I do kind of feel it was. Um, so, to me, that wasn't a big issue. Obviously, Joey Logano was upset with it and went to talk to Denny Hamlin about it after the race. And that's where our next situation develops. And I think had Denny just said, hey, you know, I didn't mean to, it just, you know, whatever, it is short track racing, uh, I think it could have been dissolved and kind of settled right there. The fact that, in Joey's words, you know, he wasn't even apologetic, didn't seem to care, is kind of what set him off, gave him that last little shove as he walked away of, hey, I'm done talking to you because you don't even care. It's you. It's no big deal. You ran over me. And that obviously sparked the fight. So from from that, I mean, it's one of those we've talked about on numerous occasions. I think all in all, the way it went down, NASCAR has done the right thing. They're not restricting drivers. However, in this case, it was a crewman that got involved, and I think that he was over the line. Not intentionally. Again, his first thought is get them separated. He definitely separated them. Um, as one as one mm-hmm. person said, when you're talking about a crewman or somebody like that that's used to carrying tires, when he grabbed Denny to pull him back, maybe Denny came back a little easier than he thought he was going to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, again, I don't think there's any intention by it. I know they said that, uh, and let me see here, I wrote down, was it Dave Dave Nichols, a tire specialist for the uh, right. number 22 team Penske <laughs> team, uh, said he immediately regretted how it, what happened following that, um, and he has been suspended for one race, and I think they've accepted that as a team, as an organization. So I think NASCAR handled it uh, in a good way, um, sent out a message, hey, crew guys, you know, keeping them apart is one thing, getting across in that line and being aggressive like that is another. Uh, I know... In NASCAR America, they talked about there should be rules to this. I don't think so. That's just ridiculous. Um, you know, if there's a separation of where drivers need to be and crew members aren't allowed during that time, maybe. But as far as there being hard, fast rules of you can't touch so-and-so or, you know, you can't touch another driver if you're a crew member, and that's one of those I think is just way ridiculous. NASCAR looked at a situation that happened two weeks ago in the Xfinity Series. No fines, nothing was issued. Here they looked at it and they said, okay, this crossed the line. We're going to fine or uh, suspend you one race. And I think as a whole, everybody in the industry agrees with it. They saw it, and including the individual himself. You know, he said, hey, I just wanted to right. separate him, but he came back quicker, harder, and I didn't really mean to throw him onto the ground like happened. You know, again, you did that adrenaline, that seeing red, that's the way it happened. So I, I don't think there's an issue there as far as um, the need for a, a hard, fast rule and a breakdown of penalties or, you know what I mean? Um, I think yeah. NASCAR did a good job of looking at the situation and evaluating it and making a good decision. Yeah, I think I think the initial uh, incident on the track, I think what got Denny or uh, Joey uh, as upset as he was is that it cut his tire down. 
and then he had to come in, you know, get the tire changed and race his way back up into that top ten. Uh, and then he, all he did was go over to talk to him about it. He thought, like you said, that maybe he'd say, sorry, I didn't really mean to do that, but, you know, it happens. Because to the point that you made, uh, there was still quite a bit left to go in the race. So it was pretty hard racing for for that part of the race, if you will. And and part of it, I think, is that I think Joey was looking for some respect. And I think the fact that Denny didn't really give him any respect um, further exasperated the situation. He, did, he felt disrespected on the track. He felt disrespected when he went to talk to him about it. And and he reacted to that. <clears throat> And and I, I do think – go ahead. No, I, I, okay. Um, I, I do think you're right there. Like you said, uh, of, he really didn't feel like there was any kind of remorse or even even a, a kind of, hey, I apologize. It was short ra- short, short track racing, or uh, but I'm sorry it happened. And the mm-hmm. fact that you mentioned that where it happened in the race for the position it happened for as well. I know a lot got compared to, well, Joey's got no complaint. He wrecked the dude uh, last year to win the race. He won the race. Right. It was in the last laps. It was last for lap. the win. You know, and we've seen that with Denny Hamlin when he wrecked Chase Elliott. Did he win that race? No. So what did he accomplish by it? Nothing other than pissing people off. So I think that exactly. kind of plays into it as well. Uh, I agree. I think that does play into it. I think these guys are racing for every position, every lap, and uh, it's almost taking it to an extreme. Um, and and the end result of it is that lack of respect, and that's what I was trying to get to, is that uh, it's kind of like uh, you just got to accept that that's the way it is in racing. Uh, and and maybe people are taking it too personally when, when these things are happening, um, versus just acknowledging it's 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 a product of short track racing that those things are going to happen. Um, so I think they were both wrong in in different aspects of it. So Joey should have never touched him. Uh, I think uh, Cole Custer showed that last week uh, that some people get very sensitive when you reach out and touch them. I don't think Cole intended anything bad when he reached out to touch him. I think Joy was frustrated and his his was more of a um <clears throat> forget you kind of thing. <laughs> uh kind of a touch. Uh and Denny reacted to it. So uh if there should be any learning from the last two weeks, it should be that don't touch another driver <laughs> if you're gonna approach him unless you're going up there to, to start a fight. And <clears throat> These drivers really shouldn't be out there to try to start a fight anyway. But um, at the, one thing I will say is is that uh, I would rather see them take care of it off the track versus trying to do it with each other on the track and using their cars as kind of a, a means of communication uh, of their displeasure. And I know that they do that to a certain degree anyway, but uh, I'd rather see him do it off the track. Uh, as far as the crew guys getting involved, and I, I let me come back up a minute. I, I do agree with you. I think it's NASCAR made the right call 
uh, and they said that they were kind of forced into the situation. Uh, they understand uh, Dave Nichols uh, had no intent uh, to to do it as hard as he did, uh, but he recognizes that he did do it pretty hard and that, you know, he accepted that penalty. So <clears throat> I think that part is all good and well. I think NASCAR did the right thing. As far as uh, maybe having some guidelines uh, I would like to see, and I think I think in this case, uh, for the most part, there might be a few exceptions there. I think most of the crew members that were out there were standing back and trying to, um, what's the word I, I'm trying to think of? They I, would, I would call it blocking. fuel to the They're, fire. Right. They were, they were coming to, from the front and making a blockade between the two. Right. They were trying to uh, mediate, and, and, and that's not the word I'm trying to think of either, but uh, they were trying to, to kind of uh, diffuse the situation, not necessarily accelerate the situation. And, and, and that's where I think the crew members need to come from, is uh, let's not add fuel to the fire. Let's try to diffuse the fire and put some water on it. Uh, by separating those guys, but let's try not to do it with uh, that show of force. And <clears throat> I, I get it that in the heat of the moment, sometimes that's not a, that's a lot easier to say it than it is to do it. So I, I totally get that part of it. Um, th- somebody brought up the oh, I think it was Godfather Moody, in fact, uh, that maybe NASCAR needs a third man rule uh, that the third man in gets uh, a penalty. Uh, if he if he's throwing punches or something like that, um, <clears throat> I do think that these guys need to stand back a little bit and give these guys some space to work it out between themselves. Even if the two of them are fighting, let them fight it out and stand back because uh, the time the, by the point that you kind of get into it, and other sports do do that, Jay, where uh, if you get off the bench, it's a penalty. Period. Uh, they don't care why you're getting up off the bench. You, you're not supposed to get up off the bench uh, in those types of situations. And um, uh, the, the NASCAR's got to come up with something that helps diffuse these situations or lets those guys work it out by themselves versus being a big pileup of guys out there uh, fighting one another, uh, in my well, opinion. Well, and, I, and I, I know you mentioned that as far as coming off the bench, which is true in a lot of cases. I know hockey specifically got brought up, and that even the referees, when two engage and they go at it and they drop the gloves and and go at it, you're right, everybody, to include the referees, until one person goes down (laughs) and has an advantage over the other. That is how they let that play out. They said, you all want to swing? You're both standing, swing away. Once somebody goes down and you're over them, then it's over, and that's when the referees step in. So uh, there certainly could be something to that. I'm not sure we want to see that, but one comparison that was made of, if you're talking driver to driver, not that there aren't a couple bigger, more fit drivers, but when you're talking about comparing a driver to a crew member, like I said, specifically a tire carrier or a jack carrier. Well, I'm talking driver to driver. I'm not talking crew members. I'm saying crew members stay out of it altogether. That's where you're talking about that of a crew member has an advantage because they are obviously, generally speaking, a little bit bigger and could probably take on two or three drivers at one time. Exactly. 
Exactly, and and that's that's where I'm coming from because uh, I I really think they add fuel to the fire when they go out there and and kind of get into it as well. And we've seen that the last two weeks. Uh, I'm I'm a, a fearful <laughs> that we're going to see it the next uh, couple of weeks as well uh, until we get to Homestead Miami, and who knows, we might see it again at Homestead Miami. Um, but uh, the intensity is just so. Uh, ramped up uh, that uh, somehow these guys have to take a step back and think about what they're doing. And I don't know what the answer is to that. Um, but, uh, you know, it comes down to sponsorship. A lot. Some of these guys are racing to be able to race again next year. Um, it, it's crazy. Well, and, you know, they're, and, and they've talked about that all year, not just in the playoffs, the playoffs again more so, and we've seen why, you, you know, each position does matter. And that's why I say uh, with Denny Hamlin, I, it was still 40 laps to go, a lot left to go in the race. Um, but getting those one or two positions, that's what put Chase Elliott into this round. You know, Joey Logano did it earlier in the uh, playoffs when he was – 20-some laps down, you know, that one or two position, especially when you're talking about stage points in the middle of a race. And that is what the goal of that stage racing was. So we have seen everybody in the industry, uh, all the broadcasters talk about it. There is definitely more intensity on lap 10, on lap 30, on lap 4, you know, 40 to go versus Mm -hmm. 10 to go. Um, So there, there definitely is that. There is much more hard racing. Again, with the goal of making the competition closer, you're racing closer to another car. There isn't that one car has that much better speed or whatever that you can get get by them and get away. So, well, with the exception of Martin Truex, apparently. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so, yeah, that that does come into play, and all drivers are adjusting to that. Okay, so do you think uh, over? Uh, a, a couple more years of this that will get uh, some less intensity in these playoffs, or will that continue to ramp up? Because I can't imagine, and, and Martin Truex said this as part of his interview as well, uh, you know, every year it gets a little bit more intense, and I don't know how it can get more intense than what it already is, but somehow it does. Uh, we, can we stand much more intensity here? Well, again, it's all in a matter of how each driver handles it. I mean, we saw last year Martin Truex, after getting knocked out of um, that Martinsville race, he didn't have a direct go at it with with Joey Logano. You know, he made the statement that he won't win the championship, yet Joey won the championship. So he is one as an individual and personal driver. You don't see a lot of that from Jimmy Johnson is another one. You never saw him engaged in a whole lot of, I'm not going to say ever, but those physical mm-hmm. confrontations, you know, so that, that depends on the drivers, what they're taught, how they handle themselves, how the crew expects them to handle themselves. Um, you know, I, I know they uh, talked with, uh, I'm missing his first name, uh, crew chief for Joey Logano, Todd Gordon. Is it Todd Gordon? Do I have mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, said with his crewmen, you know, he accepts responsibility that they had apparently had it kind of a meeting about that. Um, prior to the race that, hey, if it's something like what happens last year happens, how are we going to handle ourselves? So there again, and that ties, like you said, ties to sponsorships. You know, certain sponsorships, Bush Beer might be okay with it. M&M's kid sponsor might not be. 
So, you know, there's so many levels to that and individual personalities that come into play. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I think, too, though, with uh, the talk of the next-gen car and the 18-inch wheels, that that might come into play. You won't see cut tires as much. Right now, I think part of it is the the build of the cars themselves where you rumple that fender a little bit, it cuts the tire, you know. So we might see that change. You know, you go back to back in the day of, say, Dale Earnhardt, uh, Richard Petty, you could rub rub tires and rub fenders a little bit more so than you can nowadays. Okay. Well, and and that that uh, goes to the that talks about the, the type of racing that they're doing though too, um, because they are doing some hard bumping and banging on those tracks as well. It does, obviously, depending on the track. And as Denny Hamlin uh, said in imitation of Joey Logano, which I think is one of the best imitations I have ever seen and is going to live on forever, at least in my mind, of it's short track racing. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't care for that at all. (laughs) I thought, again, again, it was very disrespectful. I did not care for that mocking of the drivers. Um, and and they did say that they did, they did say it. I just but say I they did say that Denny it. Hamlin might look back on that with some regret, like you said, that that might have kind of crossed. Just like when Joey walked away and threw that last little tap, just to say, "Hey, mm-hmm. I get last word, or I'm going to touch you before I leave." You know, same thing. Like you said, Denny might look back on that and be like, "Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have done that." I think it says more about Denny Hamlin than it does as a parody to Joey Logano, in my opinion. Uh, and and it's, it doesn't reflect well on Denny Hamlin, in my opinion. But I also don't think the little slap that uh, Joey Logano reflected well on him either. Um, he could have walked away without doing that. Uh, but again, these are heat-of-the-moment kind of things that happen that, yeah, you look back on later and, and you totally regret that you let that happen. Uh, and you wish you hadn't done that, uh, which gets me into if if we uh, can throw this in, uh, the same thing happened with Todd Gilliland, who he he did come back and say, uh, I wish I hadn't said that. Now he said some comments after winning the race. He told his crew uh, that they were really great. He, he really appreciated everything they were doing, but he told Kyle Busch to uh, expletive stay in his his mobile home. So uh, uh, Kyle Bush did come out and uh, congratulate him on the victory. Uh, but uh, he, and since that, since then Todd Gilliland has apologized for saying it and said that he regrets saying it at this point. So your thoughts there. You know, I mean, I understand where Todd was coming from. You think about it throughout the year when mm-hmm. all this came about and, and Todd wasn't winning. I thought he did handle himself fairly well um, and not responding. The fact that he got that victory, again, the emotion is flowing. It is kind of a see I showed you, you know, type deal. I, I'm i not saying I condone it, but I understand it, you know, and he didn't necessarily do it public. It went public. I get that. And at the time, you probably don't think about that. But it did end up going public. 
but at the time when he said it, it wasn't necessarily public. It was to his team, you know. It was um, on his radio, and he should which, know like that I people said, are listening in to those radios. I understand radios. in this, right, in this day and age, you know, like I said, when when you first win like that, you're saying, hey, congratulations, my team, you know, and then that right. came out in your mind that's about you and your team. Yeah, as soon as he got out, he's going to be like, well, duh, everybody in the world listens to these scanners. Yeah, it's going to be on Race Hub uh, under, uh, you know, whatever their weekly contest, Radioactive Tuesday is. You know, but like I said, in that moment, to him, it was kind of just between him and the crew and the driver or the the owner. Um, So, like I said, I'm not saying I condone it, and I'm sure he regrets it, uh, no doubt, and we'll have to see how that affects where he's employed next year, I think. Uh, if that decision well, hasn't already been made, I think this might have put a nail in that coffin in, in that decision, truthfully. but Yeah, it was short-term thinking in my mind. I think, you know, it, <laughs> he got it off of his chest. I get all that. Uh, I truly do. But if you're trying to present yourself to a future employer, that's not putting your best foot forward. <laughs> And what employer is going to want to bring that to their stable um, if, you know, with a driver? There might be some employers that, that are okay with that, but uh, I think that's part of what got him in trouble to begin with is that, um, and, and I know the crew chief said he's grown a lot over this last year. Uh, he might need to, to do a little bit more growing up in that regard, and we know Kyle Bush had to do some growing up in that regard uh, when he was younger. So, you know, I get all of that, but he, he's really got to think about his future, and he can't be doing things like that. Uh, it's what got him in trouble with Kyle Bush to begin with, uh, and I think that uh, it, it might it – might, depending on where he goes. I've got a feeling he's going to be with DGR Crosley next season. So um, maybe I I might be wrong, but uh, that's probably going to be the safest place for him uh, until he kind of grows past this because uh, his mouth is going to get him in trouble, I think, more often than not if he's not careful. Well, let me let me break it break it down real simple for you for a scenario wise. If if there's a fight, you throw the first punch, other person throws a punch back. Who's at fault and who do you think the least of? Okay, the the one that throws the second punch if they fight back. Okay, if they don't, okay, you look at them. Oh, big man walked away. But you also want to see somebody that's going to stand up for themselves too and not be pushed around. So where do you draw that line? You know, because in both of those cases, it was kind well, of the, you know. there's a way to stand up for yourself that you can do it with respect and still get your point across. Uh, you know, two wrongs never make anything right, Jay. And that's one of the Agreed. first things I think uh, you learn <laughs> as an individual. You learn that two wrongs don't make anything right. And you don't burn bridges uh, because you never know when you might have to come back uh, to that bridge and cross over. So those are those are some of the things that some of these guys still need to learn that they haven't learned yet. And unfortunately, um, you know, some of them are going to have to kind of take that step back and, and maybe do that. And that's where I'm coming from with Todd Gilliland. Um, 
But with, he might with have learned that, a lot then, as far okay, as the driver, but his mouth is still getting him in trouble. So <laughs> you you said though that what a future employer is looking at, and that's where we've talked about. I think Joey Logano has kind of been been in that too, though. Are you going to look for a driver that if he gets run over and pushed around is just going to take it and not take any back or keep taking it? You know, so there is something but to that of you want to have it. Here's my point, Jay. It's the way that you fight back. You don't have to fight back by throwing another punch. You don't have to fight back by giving another insult. There's ways to fight back. You don't, you don't have to fight back. Uh, with two wrongs, <laughs> you can fight back by by uh, there there are techniques that can be used to fight back without throwing the punch. And yes, an employer is looking for a guy who can stand up for himself, but he wants him to stand up for himself in a professional way because that's what the sponsors are looking for too. Well, we, we've seen it, and we, we were talking about kind of what led into this of the Kyle Busch and Eric Alvarola. Uh, well, I take that mm-hmm. back. You went directly into the Todd Joe, and we'll get to the Kyle Busch and uh, Eric Alvarola. But we've heard it multiple times over the radio, and it could be team owner, grandpa, spotter, telling the driver, hey, go hit them. Go do this and earn that respect. Take care back. of it. And, exactly. And and when it comes to on-track racing, there is some level to that of, you're right, you have to show that. That's, you know, and, and I think that's kind of true in any sport when you're a rookie or a new, new to the sport coming in, um, that you kind of go through that. And it's a matter of once you do say, hey, I'm not going to take this. Now, like you are 100% correct, of it. there is different ways to handle it. Um, but certain people aren't going to respond if, you hit me, and I'm just using us as an example. Somebody hits me, I walk away, don't hit them, and I say, that's okay. I know he did it out of that frustration of the moment, blah, 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 and they do it again. The next time I stay standing there and either push them back or something, and then they quit doing it, that might be the only way they're going to respond to it. You know, whether mm-hmm. no matter what society thinks of it, if you need that individual to stop doing it, you have to know what they're going to respond to in order to stop. If you say, hey, it's okay, I forgive you, I'll walk away, and they're like, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have done it, you were the bigger man, I appreciate that, then it's all good. But if they keep doing mm-hmm. it, some point it comes, hey, the only way they're going to stop is if I do something back. Right, but again, there are techniques that can be used. Uh, we are <laughs> coming up to the 1030 uh, time frame, and uh, at that time, we do go off the air. Now, even though we're going off the air, we are continuing to record the rest of the conversation here tonight, and we will do that. Um, and that will be available on the podcast that's available uh, after we finish our conversation tonight. The podcast is available via all of the links that we already have posted for everybody. And uh, I will also go out on Twitter when we're finished here, to let people know that that podcast is available. Uh, so you can listen via that link. Uh, you can also go to fanforacing.com and listen via the player there. If you've listened up to this point, just fast forward to that two-hour mark, and then you'll hear the rest of the conversation uh, on that podcast. So uh, we appreciate all of our listeners uh, for listening and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. 
here during our overtime I, segment. I was going to okay, say, go there, ahead, there's Jay. still some conversation to be had. i still got three topics. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a lot to talk about. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, I get what your point is. Uh, at some point, you got to stand up for yourself. But these guys, and maybe this is something that's been going on all season. I don't know. But it seems like it's really ramped up uh, during this uh, playoff portion of the season. Uh, and uh, these guys are getting uh, pretty intense. But, again, I would hand – I think the way to handle it would be less publicly. I'd wait until, you know – uh, Jimmy Johnson and those guys used to go to each other's house. Jimmy Johnson would, uh, you know, seek somebody out at the park. Uh, he did that with uh, Jeff Burton one time, uh, and it was to apologize because he he uh, had an incident at Bristol that uh, didn't work out the way he intended it to happen. He didn't mean for it to be the, as bad as it was for Jeff Burton, and it took him out of the race. Um but it wasn't in front of all of the cameras. And these guys are doing it in front of all the cameras. Now, NASCAR loves it because, unfortunately, our fan base loves it when everybody is fighting. And uh, they want to see more of it. They want to see more of the personalities and all of that. Um, and and I like seeing the personalities, but sometimes uh, it might be better not to approach somebody immediately after the race. It might be better to have a more productive conversation with somebody uh, once you've left the track and you guys can sit down and have a, a, an adult conversation about it um, and and get the communication that you're looking for. Uh, one thing I do know about listening is that when somebody's in an emotional state, it's not the best time to have those conversations because our minds physically uh, are not in a rational state of mind. So um, I don't know. I know NASCAR is looking for more of that kind of stuff, but I think there's other ways that it can be dealt with. Well, and just like you mentioned there, it still plays to both sides of it. I mentioned Jimmy Johnson as one Martin Tricks. You brought up uh, Jeff Burton. And, again, we have seen him in his heat of the moment be involved in some. But that is also one where even that reproach of outside the cameras, whether it be at their home or at their park, is going to be received well. Just to kind of put a twist to it, there might be a driver, you go to him and say, hey, I'm sorry, you know, one-on-one, hey, I'm sorry. They're going to want that public apology. You know, if if you do it that way, they're going to go on in front of the camera and be like, yeah, so-and-so came to me and apologized. You know what I mean? They want it done that way because of that their personality. So I think that's mm-hmm. a, a key thing to look at when you talk about the individuals, which is, again, what makes this sport great in the way it is. The the fact that we have all different individuals. And it, and it, go, and it goes back to me, one of the, one of the best. I, I can honestly say I don't think I ever saw him wreck somebody to win a race if he finished second, whether it be in a race or a championship, and that was Mark Martin. It didn't matter yes. what happened. It didn't matter what happened, who it was. He took that high road each and every time, to the best of my knowledge, like I said, from my experience. Um, you know, so, I mean, there are people like that. There's no doubt. So, anyway, yeah, but, but keep in mind that sometimes uh, – Again, we've talked about Denny Hamlin kind of getting in his own way 
sometimes and and inhibiting his ability to be able to go after a championship. We'll see what happens this season, but I've I've seen him take a couple of missteps <laughs> uh even this season uh as far as his emotional maturity to be able to handle the pressure of uh this kind of stuff. So we'll we'll see what happens. The the good aspect of that, and I'm going to use that to lead into my next topic, the good aspect of that right now, he is still winning races and up front and contending. The one I see, see kind of imploding and not performing while doing that same thing, and he has done it in the past, is Kyle Busch. You mentioned he had his own incident with Eric Almarola, and that is one where I think you saw him kind of use his car out on the track to retaliate as he got passed or pushed up a little bit out of the groove came back down, banged into uh, Eric Almarola, took him out of the race, as well as damaged his own car. He was able to continue. But we've also seen he just hasn't been running Kyle Busch-like since his win back in, I think it was in June in Pocono. He is still in the championship hunt, but we haven't seen him as a top front-running contender. And the way he handles himself on and off the track leads me to believe he's in that boat of he is going to self-destruct and keep himself from winning a championship. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think Kyle Busch uh, has – there's something going on with Kyle Busch. Uh, and somebody else mentioned it earlier today, and I have to agree with it. Uh, I, bu- the, I believe the, it was Dale Jarrett on NASCAR America. Yeah, I I, I know who it was. <laughs> uh, but the thing is is that Kyle Busch uh, is is not himself right now. There's something going on with him, and I do think that Kyle Busch is – is uh, imploding. I'm, I, I don't know if he's going to come alive here in the next two races or not, uh, but I think he's in jeopardy. Uh, Sal and I did talk about this earlier. Uh, I think him and Joy Logano and possibly even Denny Hamlin could be in jeopardy if he self-implodes. I know he's winning races, but at the same time, uh, if he lets these things uh, build up, uh, he he could be in for some disappointment because uh, Chase Elliott could come up with a win. Kevin Harvick could win at Phoenix, which we know he's good at that track. Uh, Ryan Blaney or Kyle Larson, either one of those guys could come up with another victory. Um, right now, all of these guys that are in the championship eight have wins under their belts. And in some cases, they have multiple wins. So it's not unrealistic to think that uh, we could see uh, some of those guys excuse me, get knocked out. Uh, there's only two races left, so only two of those guys uh, potentially could be knocked out. Or there could be mechanical issues that knock them out, like we've seen with yeah. uh, Chase Elliott and with Joey Logano. We've seen that happen uh, during this playoff. Um, so I think we're in for some more big surprises, and and this could be a big learning curve for a lot of these guys, that this intensity if they don't get it under control, could end up hurting them more than it's going to help them. And Kyle Busch is one of those guys, for without a doubt. I think Joy Logano is one of those guys. I think I think there's quite a few of them. Some of these newer guys well, are handling this pressure a lot better than some of the veterans. And and that, the, you mentioned Joy Logano, and I think that's another one that maybe even led to some of his reaction in situations is, again, he's been running good, but not great. He battled through the first round, like you said, with some mechanical things, um, had to fall back on his uh, built-up points. 
Um, but the playoffs is all about here and now, and we've seen Denny Hamlin uh, working his way through. Obviously, Martin Truex. Uh, those two you have to consider as, to me anyway, the top two going into uh, Miami Homestead. Obviously, Denny Hamlin not necessarily locked in as of yet, but there's just four, the way he's been running. There's 24 points. There's 24 points between Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick in fifth place. Uh, and we've seen that given up in points. one race. <laughs> We've seen that given exactly. up in one race. Chase Elliott will attest to that. <laughs> exactly. That's not a lot of points at this stage with two more races left. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, a lot's been going good for Denny Hamlin, but the, there's some things that could go wrong too. So we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out, uh, how these guys continue to react to the, the pressure and how they continue to react to to what's going on. Um, but I, I think I, I think we've got a lot to look forward to in these next two races. But um, uh, I think I think a lot of people are going to be surprised because I think I think we're going to see somebody in the bottom four come up with victories in these next two races. All right. Well, did you have another hot topic, or that sets me up for another one I had for sure? <clears throat> nope. Go ahead. All right. You talk about that, somebody out of those bottom four. We know Chase Elliott's capable of it. Um, Texas and Phoenix are two good races for him. But to me right now, one that – and Kyle Larson, another one. We saw him get his win here in the playoffs at Talladega. And they always say if he can get to Miami, he can certainly be a contender. To me right now, though, and I say dark horse, he is – and I, don't, I can't pull up the points. Uh, I believe he was like 17 or 22 out. And that's Ryan Blaney. And he has outperformed what I expected overall in the playoffs. And just looking at Martinsville alone, he was a top five car all day. Um, I believe he ended up in fifth, but he was up there battling for the lead at certain points and certainly made his presence known, which I really didn't expect this deep into the playoffs or at a track like Martinsville. So is he possibly that dark horse we could see sneak into Miami Homestead? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's only 15 points away from Joy Logano, who's sitting in fourth place. <clears throat> Kyle Busch is 27 points back from the leader, but he's 14 points away from Kevin Harvick. <laughs> so, or 13 points, is it? Yeah, he's not that many points away from, from being out of this thing. So all of those guys are vulnerable right now. And I think that it is very possible that Kevin Harvick, Ryan Blaney, Chase, Kyle Larson, or Chase Elliott could come up with a victory at Texas or at Phoenix and knock some of these guys out. And that that would definitely, like you said, make it very interesting because then these ones that maybe were thinking they would get on points get in on points, and, and Kevin Harvick's been put in that position already. Kyle, uh, Kyle Busch is in that position, and like you said, depending on how it plays out, it could even be Denny Hamlin that ends up in that position. So you're right. They do have to be careful, uh, like you said, kind of put it behind them and move on and take that positive step back in the right direction and focusing on the right thing, which right now would be Texas Motor Speedway. And, and being more worried about what you're doing to put yourself in the right position than being worried about what the other guys are doing. Uh, I think that's one of the major things that are going on that's causing a lot of the problems on the track is uh, these guys are, are 
worried about everybody else instead of focusing on what they they need to be doing. Uh, and and that's what a driver like Martin Truex I think does so well is he does keep a focus on what he needs to do. Excuse me. Chase Elliott, I think, is another driver that uh, does that. Kyle Larson kind of reminds me of Mark Martin in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't see him get a little uh, as flustered as I see some of the other drivers get. He takes the high ground in a lot of these cases. Chase Elliott's so hard on himself sometimes (laughs) that uh, um, sometimes he he, uh, uh, is a little self self, uh, depreciating. But The thing is, is that these guys have a different mental attitude uh, about what they're doing on the racetrack, and they're not going out there, uh, you know, trying to knock the other guys out in order to get ahead. And I've said this forever, as you know, um, it's, it's not about knocking the other guys out of the competition. It's about racing your way up to the front and racing for the win. And it's becoming, again, I think, a little bit of let me knock the competition out so that I can uh, be in that final four. And I, I don't necessarily think that's the route to go either. Well, and the fact that you say that uh, when they brought him, uh, Martin Truex, onto uh, victory lap following the race, and they started talking about that, uh, the Kyle Busch-Denny Hamlin incident, and that was Martin's quote, I don't give a darn, it doesn't involve me. I won the race. That's all exactly. I care about. You know, it, you know, so yeah, that was, it was a great answer. It's like, doesn't involve me. I don't care. Exactly. I'm glad I'm not the one in the fight. Um, and, and those guys avoid those kind of things. So yeah, I, I, I think he's focused on the right things. They're focused on the things that they need to do. They're not focused on what everybody else is doing. And and that's what I think these other guys could learn a little bit from is focus on what you need to do. Don't be so worried about what everybody else is doing. And um, it'll get you a lot further along here. Well, and, and they they have proven that between Cole Pern and Martin Truex. Again, if you take the past three years, I believe, is what they've broken it down to as far as winning and, and finishes championships that right now Martin Truex is the best driver out there, or a team, if you will, as it is a team uh, as a whole, a little bit changed this year, but um, that right now. He's the only one that's locked into that championship four. So that puts him at the top of the list as far as contenders at this point. And the the big thing there, they talked about that. They can technically, uh, I think he said, go fishing or something for the next two weeks. They can put 100% focus on Miami Homestead with it, you know, from the crew chief side of that car um, and and strategy and everything. So that is a huge advantage, no doubt. Without a doubt. They've got a couple of extra weeks that everybody else uh, is not going to have. And, uh, again, you listen to the same shows that I do. Uh, They were talking about how um, about how uh, Cole should focus solely on that Homestead Miami uh, car and let the rest of the crew work on the next two races. And, and Martin Truex did say in another part of his interview uh, that he's going to go out there and try to win the next two races too. He's, he's not going to let somebody else win. Uh, he, he's going to go out there and go after more victories. Well, and that goes along with keeping that momentum. And, and again, uh, you know, uh, 
when it comes to certain sports you talk about, you know, you don't you don't take your foot off the throat when you got them down or, you know, not saying take it to that extreme as we talked about the fighting, but keeping that pressure on, letting, letting them know that, hey, I'm still here and just because I know I'm locked in, that, you know, there's still two races in between there. I'm not just going to, like you said, show up and drive in the back. Right, right, and I and I like that about Martin Truex. There, he's there to get in the race car and go out there and race, and um, uh, he's he's not gonna you know let his teammate get by him so that, that he can win a race. He's gonna race his teammate uh, hard for the win, and and that's what he's getting paid to do, and that's what all these drivers are getting paid to do. But they've got to be a little bit smarter about how they're going about it. Uh, they've got to they've got to keep their focus on the race and what their race is. Uh, every race, uh, because everybody's racing a different race, if you will, uh, with what they need to do individually to put themselves in the right position to go after the victory when when the time comes, or to go after those stage points. Well, and that too, I know they talk about that. Some of uh, there might be particular drivers they don't want to see get in. So again, if he can go out and win these races, um, it might prevent somebody he doesn't want to have to compete against in Miami Homestead. But <laughs> I think you're right. I think his his goal is specifically his team. You know, the more I can show of my team uh, and winning races, the better for us. And that is what his focus is. Mhm. Well, let everybody else fight. I'm going to go out there and win the race. <laughs> there you go. As You're long right. as it's that behind me in the, the rear view mirror. <laughs> That's uh, one of the best answers he could have given. What's next on your list? Uh, the other one I had, uh, and I don't know if this came out yesterday. I didn't see it till today. Uh, a team that kind of even dropped off from where they were last year. Uh, they thought they had a plan. Austin Dillon and his crew chief, Danny Stockman. And I believe that yeah. to start the season, I did an article <laughs> on this. Them bringing back Danny Stockman, they thought was going to be the answer, um, being the history that he had with Austin Dillon in the trucks and the Xfinity series, um, didn't mm-hmm. work out. And I know what I read was that Danny Stockman was stepping down as the crew chief. I'm sure there was some discussion amongst the team as a whole. But Jason Alexander will be coming back, um, returning to that role. Justin. Who Danny Stockman? Oh, I'm sorry, Justin Alexander. Um, stepping back into that role, that's who uh, Danny Stockman actually replaced. So I think that, in a way, I think it's a good thing. Uh, you know, they, they thought that was the answer. It wasn't. They actually kind of still digressed, if you will, this year, as Austin did not win a race, did not make the playoffs at all. So, you know, making that change, uh, again, I, I really thought, and that's why I did that article to start the season, I had high hopes with Austin Dillon and Danny Stockman being reunited, being they've won the championships together before. But, like I said, for whatever the reason, it didn't work. It didn't rekindle that magic. And, you know, the fact that Richard Childress or the team organization is aware that they need to step up and forward and not backward, making this change. Yes, they did say that Justin Alexander will remain with the team in a role to be announced at a later date. So we will find out. Uh, uh, I said Justin, I meant uh, Danny Stockman. Danny Stockman will be in a role to be announced at a later date. So that is uh, good news for Danny Stockman. He's He's been with uh, RCR Racing for a long time, so I don't see him leaving that organization. I do think that uh, there will be a place for him. 
uh, as their announcements continue to roll out. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, Austin's worked with Justin Alexander before. Uh, he previously led the number three cup team to wins at uh, two of the sport's most prestigious tracks, the Daytona 500 and the Coca-Cola 600. And uh, so those are big races uh, that it was Justin Alexander on top of the pit box for that number three team. And uh, so they're looking to get some of that magic back. And I do hope so. I like to like to see every team be as successful as they can. (laughs) So like I said, I hope the best for them now. Uh, That's the hope I had for them entering this season and building on what they had kind of steps they had taken forward. I know right now there's a lot of uh, questions still around uh, Tyler Reddick. I don't know if that crew chief has been named, but a rookie coming in to that seat, see how that plays out. But there, too, I think that might be a good step for that organization. Yes, indeed. Uh, Now, another thing that happened here, too, is that Team Penske made uh, pit crew changes. Uh, for Ryan Blaney and Brad Keselowski, between Ryan Blaney's team and Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, of course, is still in the, the competition, uh, in the playoffs. Uh, Brad Keselowski was knocked out, so they took some of his crew members and moved them over to Ryan Blaney's team. And I think there might have been some crew changes uh, even with Joey Logano's team. Uh, they basically took uh, all the crew members from from um, uh, Brad Keselowski uh, and swapped them out uh, for these next two uh, races as well as the season finale. Uh, the Jackman and the tire carrier from Blaney's crew was actually moved over to Joey Logano's crew, who also is advancing in the round of eight. So <clears throat> uh, kind of interesting. They did that last year, and it worked well for Joey Logano. Uh, what are your thoughts about this year? and the fact that they're making that change at this stage of the game. Again, yeah, you know, it's – and I see it kind of twofold. I know Ryan Blaney addressed it um, once they reset after this year that those crew members that he feels were a part of his team um, and got him to where he was um, would be coming back. And he said, he, you know, he looks forward to that. But it is as an organization. You know, you had three cars in the playoffs, everybody doing their own thing. Uh, unfortunately, Brad Keselowski was knocked out. If there were team members or that crew was the better of the pit crews when it comes to the stuff on pit road, you want to give the organization now their best chance moving forward. So uh, I think it is a good decision for the organization. But like Ryan Blaney said, of, of once once the season's over, I get my guys back. They're who got me here. You know, could they have met, maybe gotten him to that next step and into Miami Homestead? Don't know. But the organization looked at it of what's the best for the entire organization at this point with now only the two teams remaining. So uh, I think it is a good move to try and help the entire organization. And I like the fact that, like I said, Ryan Blaney said that, you know, they're still my team, uh, you know, my guys, they'll come back when, when this is all said and done. Exactly. And, and I think if there is a celebration at the end of the season, uh, that he would celebrate with his team that's been with him all season long as well as uh, with the new team that helped get him through to the last leg of the playoffs here. Um, so so I think those are all good uh, good things. And you're right, they're looking at this from an overall bigger picture of what's the best crew we can give you to get you the furthest in the playoffs that you can possibly go. 
And I, I would hope that that the individuals that are, say, replaced, um, yeah, there's a certain uh, level of, I don't know if you want to say insult, but feeling of insecurity of, well, I got replaced. But you also got to take pride in the fact that you did get them to where they are at and take that as an opportunity to, okay, what do I need to do to step up and improve? Maybe, well, again, watch these guys, see what it is they're doing, where they're picking up that time, and then make yourself better. Mm-hmm. And and they can make themselves better with uh, Brad Keselowski because he's still looking to uh, get as far as he can in these playoffs with the, the best possible uh, point standings that he can get. Uh, now, some other bit of news that kind of came up is that there was a website that came up out of nowhere uh, and now has since been taken down and saying coming soon. Uh, but uh, boxer Floyd Mayweather uh, could be putting together a new cup team uh, for next season. And it, the the website seems to be there. Uh, they have an archived copy of it and the fact that they're saying uh, coming soon and I looked at it myself today, and, and they, they, they're they saying the same thing as far as their driver lineup for next year. Uh, it's called the Money Team, Money Team, the Money Team Racing or TMT Racing. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, boxer Floyd Mayweather coming into NASCAR? Well, again, and, and I had seen that um... – and I don't remember when they said they thought the first race was going to be for him, but uh, that's one of those, you want to talk about what it takes to run a team is money uh, to a level. Uh, You obviously have to have that. You can't get no more money than Floyd money Merriweather. I don't know if you know much about him as a boxer, but I mean, the man is smart with his money. Uh, He doesn't just throw it around. He makes some very wise investments, both on himself with his team that he has with them. So from that aspect, I do see it as a good thing and that the team would be financially back. The next step is, though, with that money, getting the right people in place. And if you don't have that knowledge as far as, say, Joe Gibbs even admits it himself, when he got involved in racing, he still went and put the right people in the right places. He still obviously knows more about racing now than he did, but he didn't when he came in, so he got the right people to do so. That's where the key comes in is, okay, just because you're bringing the money and you're a big name in another sport, don't think you can come in over and take over this sport and know how to do it better than anybody else. You need to know which people do know how to do it and hire them and get them in there to do it for you. Right. Now, the, the race that they're talking about possibly uh, racing in this year is Homestead Miami Speedway. So uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to uh, see if that comes to pass. Uh, but I thought it was interesting uh, to see that crossover in sports. Uh, you know, we saw it with Joe Gibbs Racing, as you referenced, and, and we know a lot of the football, uh, there's a lot of football uh, players that end up being in pit crews uh, as well. So uh, it's it's, well, it's uh, really kind of an interesting prospect. Uh, they've been working on this. The, the website was actually registered back in May, so it's something that they've been working on uh, throughout the year, and uh, we'll, we'll have to see if they do indeed race at Homestead, Miami. <clears throat> we, we have seen some others that have tried it from that ownership standard, just as Joe Gibbs did, some with uh, limited success, some others with not so much success. And like I said, I think the key thing there is the mentality you come in with it. And one example yeah. I'll give, there was rumor 
of it at the time of Jerry Jones from the Dallas Cowboys. And that is one as a NASCAR fan and as a Dallas Cowboys fan, I dread it because he is one that has money and thinks he can run everything his way in the best way. You don't fire a two-time Super Bowl champion coach just because you can't get along with him or, you know, isn't being your puppet. And Joe said, I can put anybody in there, and that hasn't worked well for him. So that's one you don't want me to get (laughs) fired up on. But that type of mentality is what I dread. And I don't know as far as Floyd Mayweather, like I said, I know he has a team with him that I've read a lot on what he does as far as financially, I think will be a smart person to do that. Like I said, he, he doesn't do this himself. He has a team, and I hope that they're smart enough to do so. Yes, I, I think you're right. Um, <clears throat> okay, uh, I think, let me see if there's anything else. Uh, I think we've covered quite a bit here tonight. Oh, we did. Again, there was a lot. Unfortunately, not a whole lot of it about on-track racing, but some of it was. <laughs> yeah, some of it was. Uh, but there's a lot going on, too, with the, the silly season. This is the time of year there's a lot of moves and changes and, and things going on. So uh, a lot there is a lot to talk about in that regard as well. But we are coming up to the top of the hour uh, Jay, so what racetrack are you going to be at this weekend? Uh, this weekend will be one of one of my last for the year. It'll be at your Capital City Raceway, Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi, for the All American Sixty. I believe it's a Thursday night practice, um, and then Friday and Saturday night racing. So hopefully, have a little bit warmer weather than we've been having. I know it's been getting pretty cool down here at night. Uh, not trying to compare that to the north. I know I'll hear from you and mom on that. <laughs> I don't ever try and compete there. <laughs> no kidding. Um, yeah, and and just on a programming note, we want to make sure that listeners know that uh, our preview show this week is actually going to be on Wednesday night. We recognize that Thursday night is uh, uh, Halloween night, and a lot of people are going to be busy with that. So we're going to do our radio show on Wednesday night instead. Uh, I'll be working on that tomorrow uh, because I know I'm going to be busy for a good part of the day on Wednesday. Uh, We do have a guest in our lineup for Wednesday night, and that is Chase Briscoe. Uh, He's scheduled to be on during our 9 o'clock half hour, and uh, definitely looking forward to chatting with him. We we were trying to get him uh, last week on Monday, and it didn't work out, so we rescheduled him for this week. Uh, So that'll be fun, Jay. It certainly will, and I'm glad that it was able to work out that he was able to on Wednesday with the reschedule of the show. Um, I know you had talked about trying to get him on uh, on Monday, and he, he couldn't do it. So uh, to have him on, and I think that's a good one to have on for a preview of a race like that coming up at Texas Motor Speedway and these final races there in the, in the Xfinity Series Championship and him being a part of that um, going forward. Yes, uh, I I agree, and he is uh, – one of the drivers that I think certainly has the ability to be able to get him in, himself into that final four. Uh, I know he's uh, he's been working really hard. He was disappointed at this last race uh, that things didn't quite work out the way he wanted them to. Uh, I thought he was going to win the race there for a while. But um, uh, I think he's a strong contender, and I think uh, we've watched him develop throughout this season, and uh, I like where he's going. 
I do too. Uh, and I know we talked about this already at Chicago land when you get, when we got to talk to him and he's one always great to sit down and in that case, just listen to the talk that you had with him. Um, great one to interview and, and talk to just in general. Yes, he is. Okay. So, uh, with that, uh, I am fan for racing, uh, site on Twitter, fan for racing blog and radio elsewhere on social media. And then of course we have our fan for racing dot com website and uh we're there's going to be a lot to uh, talk about this weekend the racing is at texas motor speedway this weekend uh and uh we'll be watching both the xfinity series as well as the cup series racing on saturday and sunday uh the following week uh we've got uh big races coming up at uh, at ism raceway so uh it's going to be huge that weekend but uh i think it's going to be fun talking to chase about the, that race at texas motor speedway and um uh i can't wait to see what happens next in the cup series as well so uh a big thank you to all of our listeners and of course to our guests uh, that came on this uh, show. We had Derek Krause, the winner, uh, four-time consecutive winner at Kern County Raceway. He's the king of Kern and uh, uh, soon to be uh, the K&N Pro Series West champion. He All he has to do is to start that race at uh, Phoenix, and Derek Krause uh, will be the next K&N West champion. Um, we also had Jake the Voice Morris. Uh, along with Slick and Hot Rod from Stuart Haas Racing on during the second half hour. Uh, and uh, that turned out to be uh, a fun interview uh, about their E-NASCAR Heat Pro League uh, that uh, took place this year for the very first time. A lot of you remember the drafting that took place earlier this year, uh, and it resulted in a Stuart Haas Racing Championship uh, for uh, Brandon Gritton, who is known as Hot Rod, and Josh Shoemaker, who is known as Slick. So uh, a, a good interview. If you haven't listened to it, you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, uh, we learned a lot of really cool things about that series and uh, about how Source Haas uh, Racing put together their program for this season. So with that, Jay, I think we're ready to call it a wrap. All right, and I will talk to you on Wednesday. Keep reminding myself of that, that it's Wednesday this week, so uh, <laughs> be ready for that preview show. Okay, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time right here on Fan for Racing Radio on Wednesday, October the 30th. Take care, guys, and enjoy your week. Good night. Have a good night.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.